Hello and welcome to Quest Me. I always mess that up and forget to take the overlay off, but here I am. Uh, again, welcome to Quest Me, the Star Wars podcast that takes you on a quest through legends and new canon. My name is Josh, and I'm your forever host, friend, and again, night trooper, because I'm sticking with that forever. Um, you can follow Quest Me anywhere on the socials by searching for Quest Me Podcast. Uh, today we are talking about Ahsoka, the season finale, episode 8, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. But before we get into that, I have so many people to introduce, so we're going to kind of go quick here. Here we are, Justin is here, Phil is here, we got our good friend Steve, and the original quester, Mr. Jesse Bailey. How are you doing? Let's go around the table, starting with Jesse. Oh, man. Um, Let's see. This is difficult to vocalize, but I'm excited to be here because I have a bone to pick with Ahsoka. (laughs) Oh, no. Of course you do. Justin, how are you doing, sir? (laughs) I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. I'm really excited. Happy Jesse's here. And Steve. You know, leaning back in your chair all like, <laughs> here I am, just cool. I'm just yeah, a cool yeah. guy. Speaking of cool guys, Steve, how are you doing, sir? I'm just happy to be on the show, man. Well, we're excited to have you. And of course, Phil, you are back. I think this is the most consecutive shows you have ever been on. I am proud of you. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a good week. Got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I hear that. Like, in the biggest way, I hear that for sure. Um, Thank you all for being here for this ridiculous roundtable of sorts um, where we talk about, I would say, my top three favorite Star Wars Disney Plus show. We had a thing on on Twitters that went around, and it's it's definitely in the top three. Um, But I'm I'm so excited to just get get on with it and and get this show on the road but before we get to any of that of course i have to have jesse let us know what you've been up to and where people can find your wonderful podcast oh wow well happy to explain that i have mostly been spending time at open pike night you can follow that show on basically any social media channel i know social media is a fraught landscape these days but (laughs) At Open Pike is our tag basically everywhere, and Open Pike Night is the Strange New Worlds podcast where your personal logs are the prime directive. We are a call-in show, and we encourage people to call in so that they can talk directly to the actors and the crew that make Star Trek Strange New Worlds. People like Melissa Navia, Celia Rose Gooding, Anson Mount, costume designer Bernadette Croft, writers like Bill Wolkoff and Davey Perez. We (laughs) kind of just some friends and I from the Green Shirt podcast who watches TNG decided it would be fun to do a Star Trek podcast about a show that hasn't been off the air for 30 years. Um, And of course, I say that while we're in the middle of potentially the longest Star Trek cliffhanger ever. Season two of Strange New Worlds ended on a cliffhanger and there are I think we're down to one Hollywood strike now for just sag actors. But yeah, we don't know when season three is going to happen. So we've been really trying to fill that time with more interviews with the people that are able to talk about the show. We've got some bonus Patreon coverage of Lower Decks season four right now. We're having a lot of fun with that. 
But yeah, if you're into Strange New Worlds at all, definitely check out Open Pike Night because it's the easiest way for you to talk to the people that make the show without going to a convention and standing in a line and being given like 30 seconds to put something together. Now yeah. we know what it feels like, what those people felt like in these interim between Best of Both Worlds. I So I, I got to say, I feel a little bad because... <laughs> At the end of season one, I was like, man, I kind of wish they would have done a cliffhanger so that we could feel what it felt like back in the day. And now you fool. Yeah. Now they did. And it, it's an indeterminate amount of time to wait. So I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I brought this on the world. So <laughs> my apologies. But it wasn't me. It was the AMPTP and their greedy, grubby hands. Yeah. There's Amen such to a, that. A, a great way to end a show, though. The anticipation and the buildup. Oof. I love it. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'm only on episode one. Actually, I went back and watched the last half of Strange New World season one so I could be up to date because it's been a while since I finished that series. So I needed to get back up to speed. But it's a good call. I yeah. honestly, like when you asked me to be on this episode for Ahsoka, I was like, this is good. This will give me something else to watch because my show's <laughs> not on right now. And I mean, I will just say that you know that I go into every show that I watch with an open mind. I would rather be pleased than not. So just let that color all of my comments going forward. Jesse. Yeah, uh, I think I think Ro is here, and he's definitely ready. He's already uh, <laughs> he's saying he's not going to stay quiet, release the hounds. He's got your quest right here. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, it's good to have you back, Jesse. I'm I'm super excited to do another podcast with you. It's been a while, so it has. So I think uh, I think the last time we did an episode, you were on Open Pike Night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are we not here time. to talk about Firefly? I'm confused. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, we're on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, that's that's oh the end of the year. God. <laughs> but on the topic of Steve and Firefly. What Excellent have you been segue, Phil. And where can people find you, sir? I'm well. Uh, it hasn't been made yet, but I'm working on getting my own podcast off the ground, as I mentioned on episode five. And we are we're balls to the wall on that now that I'm back from my trip, and my friend and I are getting that together. I'm coming up with a whole bunch of segments and also prizes <laughs> for probably our prizes. one or two or three listeners, probably the four guys right here. And, uh, and whoever else wants to join I'll in. I'll be there. But, uh, yeah. I'm, You're doing Battlestar Galactica, right? Oh, yeah. Battlestar Galactica 20-year anniversary. And yeah. I'm hoping, so far, the guests that I have lined up are people that have done a podcast about Battlestar Galactica already. So hmm. I'm hoping that I'll get some, some of the celebrities to join in. The one that I know, Edward James almost has throat cancer. So I don't know how he's going to be willing to... How, how willing he will be to talk for two hours. So we'll see what I can do right. on that front. But I'm going to try and drop that first episode on the actual 20th anniversary coming in this December. So stay tuned. Nice. And of course, we will uh, share that information when it comes out. Justin, what you got? Uh, I'm wondering, Jesse, first question. Did you cram this entire season into like four days like you did last time? <laughs> uh, two days. Come on, man. Two days for this one. Um, have you have you met Jesse? Mostly, <laughs> mostly because I feel like a lot of prestige TV now is like 
every episode has that like almost cliffhanger quality to it, right? Like they always cut to black when you want the next scene. And I think maybe Game of Thrones is really the biggest perpetrator yeah. of that. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to experience this whole story at once so that I can keep everything that I feel about it fresh and, you know, so I can give it, give the whole show a chance, right? Like, I, I don't want to judge the show with the recency bias of having only seen the last episode, right? So I watched all of this on, uh, I think, Saturday or Sunday, and then I watched Tuesday, the, the last episode when it came out. So it, it was... That one I did watch on release, so I, I have the whole thing fresh in my head, and I feel like that gave me a better perspective on the story rather than trying to remember what had happened several weeks prior. <laughs> that is fair. And then the, the second one's for Steve. Uh, was it nice to actually meet Josh in person? Oh, yes, indeed. What? <laughs> oh, that's right. You, were, you weren't here for all the stories. That's... Yeah, we no, no, okay. no. Great um, that was, was a really fun time. Liquor, uh, liquor, liquor flow. For... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got me this like bourbon. It was like something that you're supposed to sip on, and I just, I just shot that thing. I was like, "What?" And he was like, "You animal." <laughs> <laughs> Which is normally something that I would do, but and so to be to be shown I didn't... what that looks like, I was like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> let's get let's get going." I uh, didn't know. <laughs> so you can't you can't put a shot in front of me and not expect me to just take it like a shot. <laughs> well, now I know that. It had to determine if it's glass or plastic. If it's plastic, I'm gonna shoot it. If it's glass, what, you sip yeah, it. Yeah. What was it that we got? It was bullet. Oh, okay. bullet, bullet yeah. tenure. Speaking speaking of yeah, which, okay. are we are we going to a bar far away tonight? That's right. We're going to a bar far away where Phil tells us one of his fancy-ass drinks that he likes to make. So <laughs> tell us what you're drinking tonight, Phil. Uh, well, it is the uh, series finale, season finale uh, for uh, for Ahsoka. Season, season. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Poor Steve's done. face. Quest done. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so it is our uh, season finale. So I figured I'd do a uh, twofer tonight. Uh, first up is a classic. I did not actually do any Star Wars themed tweaking for this one. This is just a classic Corpse Reviver number two. The Corpse Reviver number two is. Seems uh, <laughs> Oh, I love this. <laughs> um, it is uh, equal parts gin, Lille Blanc, triple sec, and lemon juice uh, with an absinthe rinse uh, for the glass before you pour the cocktail into it. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, light uh, kind of taste, a uh, little tart, a little bitter with the absinthe in there, um, but. Uh, Surprisingly strong for, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, penicillin and dark magic, pretty much. Good lord, <laughs> man! Uh, no, it's it's <laughs> it's delightful. Um, one of a whole kind of chain of uh, cocktails that were invented for hangover cures. <laughs> hence, sure. hence the name Corpse Reviver. Josh, you saw that video on your on your 
computer <laughs> of me doing That's the prairie right. oyster. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, we still have that around somewhere from the recap. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure I could find it. Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to right now. <laughs> uh, and then the other one. So last summer, uh, I was in an, a, uh, bar, a local bartender competition and I invented a cocktail that I called burn the witch. Uh, so it's uh, a riff on a whiskey sour uh, using uh, Axe in the Oak uh, local distillery rye whiskey, Fireball, and an Italian herbal liqueur called Strega. Uh, Strega means witch. So Strega, Fireball, Burn the Witch. Um, so for this particular it iteration of the uh, Burn the Witch, though, I uh, did a float of Midori. Uh, on top so it's got a nice little evil green kind of tint to it and uh i call this one a night sister i uh, like that okay you, you that's lost wonderful me at the beginning of that drink and but Sips. now i'm back so okay well <laughs> i lucky for I, you the recipe is going to be in the show notes get us, oh no i think he just means i think he just means being turned off by the idea of fireball being in there <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> gotcha. uh, and believe me i had professional bartenders taste it and uh, and tell me how dare you make me like a drink that has fireball <laughs> i agree with those bartenders so uh yeah um the uh recipes for both the uh the classic corpse reviver number two the burn the witch and the uh night sister variation actually are all going to be in the show notes so uh, enjoy. Drink responsibly. And um, I am just drinking a regular old Sluggo Cola, the slimiest soda in the galaxy. I'm drinking Slurms a Coors McKenzie Light. approved. <laughs> and, and I'm drinking a Coors Light because, again, you can take the boy out of Denver, but you can't take the Denver out of the boy. <laughs> if I, I had it's a, like Steve's got some Jameson. Oh, yeah. so I, I, I actually brought this back from Ireland. Oh wow! Okay, this, this is oh, a. I was I was gonna say that's not one I've seen locally. You will not that's, find this uh, outside of the actual distillery. That's spectacular, so, sir. I'm, the bottle is going away over there, and <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this no, is keep the, that this keep is the, that far away yeah. so that you don't go through half of it. This tonight. is the this is the one ounce that I poured for myself, and that's all I'm going to be having. Josh, uh, when the when the glass isn't full, they're called fingers. And and that's usually how you tell whether or not you shoot a drink. So okay, all right. <laughs> well, now that Quest Me has turned into a full-on booze podcast, we are going to take that booze and go back to a galaxy far away and talk about Episode Eight of Ahsoka, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord, which is a fun take on the Chronicles of Narnia story. If no one caught that, I'm kind of disappointed in you, but. Uh, I did I did like that. So, as always, I'm going to do my own little synopsis. This one's a little different because I kind of, like, go go through it. I don't know. I'm, we're doing the show a little bit differently. Um, those of you that have watched Quest Me before or listened to the show, um, we're going to do the show a little differently because there's five of us here and there's a lot to talk about. So, we're going we're gonna to have some fun with it. Um, in the season finale of Ahsoka, we get action. We get mysticism. We get witches, Jedi, some good lore animated references, and everything in between. Ezra gets a new lightsaber, Morgan gets a new sword, and Thrawn gets a new lease on life. We see a new class of stormtroopers and get a better idea of what Balin is looking for. The series might be over, but it seems like the battle is just beginning. 
Uh, this episode was directed by Rick Famuia. Is that? I can never. I can never remember how to say it. Um, but of course, it was written by Dave Filoni, and it has all the usual suspects as stars. Um, and I can't praise the music of this uh, series enough. Um, Kevin Kiner did a wonderful job with the score. Um, just all the different callbacks to pretty much anything. Like there's, there's a scene. It's very brief in this in the in the last episode where they're going going through the the bone graveyard, and they make the same little like eight bars they they play the same eight bars of music that they did in empire strikes back when han solo is going through the asteroid field and there's just little callbacks like that throughout the entire score of this that that make it i don't know just really special to me and it was it was a really genius effort on kevin kiner's part so i cannot praise that enough um like i said we're doing this a little bit differently so this week we're starting <laughs> with the Tuscan Raider because I want to rate this episode before we even talk about it. I want to I want to get an idea of what everybody's rating is before we even discuss the show. So let's start with Jesse. Um and and for you actually because I've asked pretty much all the guests um what do you rate this episode and then what do you rate the series as a whole? Everyone else just rate the episode, but Jesse, you get to be special this time. Well, anybody who's heard me on a podcast before knows that I always consider myself special, but <laughs> I am going to I'm just going to start by saying I have not watched I'm sorry, is it called Rebels? Yes. Okay. I have not watched Rebels. Okay? I specifically did not watch it before this because I wanted to know if the series would work without it. And I kind of feel like maybe it doesn't. So just keep that in mind as I give these ratings. I think this show is gorgeous. I loved all of the effects. I really enjoyed all of the fights. Um, I have nitpicks with like the reasons behind some of the fights and the results of some of the fights, but absolute joy to watch. It was easy to get through seven episodes of this really quickly. It wasn't, I never felt like it was a slog. I was very much like, okay, I'd like to watch the next one now. Um, overall, I think I would probably give the series a six out of 10. And I give this episode probably a five out of 10. Um, I know that Ro in the chat, I told you that I had agreed with you on Twitter when you had mentioned it as a three out of 10. And I, that was mostly just to rile up Josh, but I do have serious, <laughs> serious issues with this last episode um, as, as a story uh, for, for casual fan. Right. Um, I think that the, the answer is that this isn't for me. This is not for the casual fan. This is for the hardcore fan who's been wanting more Ahsoka since they did, you know, since they saw her debut and her whole, the whole first part of her story. So that will color a lot of how I ended up feeling about the series and this episode in general. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you're not like a diehard Star Wars fan. Like a lot of us are like, Hugh last week had not seen Rebels or Clone Wars either. Yeah. But he still really enjoyed Ahsoka because he knows who Ahsoka is and he likes seeing all those old characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense that someone that hasn't watched Rebels and hasn't watched Clone Wars would kind of have a hard time 
like getting into especially the finale and like seeing all that different lore and those different kind of like surprises i guess um we'll get it we'll get into it like i i really appreciate what they were going for um i i think rosario dawson is an amazing actor um but yeah we'll get into some of the issues i had I, i don't know that there was anything where i was like well now i don't understand it was more of like uh story specific issues but like i said we'll get into that somebody else's yep. turn <laughs> justin what are you rating this episode episode eight out of ten <clears throat> okay just uh, like uh the reasons why are like the wonderful fighting had great choreography and i really appreciate the different camera angles and views during the ahsoka and morgan uh, morgan fight visually awesome like that's just star wars uh mo had good uh wide shots especially in this episode um it was and then i had a few down points just for me like i i still didn't want to see sabine use the force all of a sudden and then now she's throwing ezra around like that was a little far-fetched for me um <laughs> thank you ricky <laughs> uh and then um uh, overall for a season finale I, I same thing it's sort of left on a cliffhanger or not a cliffhanger but like a blank slate for at least for uh Ahsoka's, uh future but um overall like it, it lacked a sense of urgency or or, or urgency and that that creates that guttural drama like i, I didn't feel that they were something bad was going to get happen or happen when they were stuck it was like oh okay but like overall i mean i, I loved it like zombies star wars my two favorite things mashed into one i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> steve what are you rating this episode i'm well first off i'd like i usually don't uh, you know toot my own horn but i would just like to tell the world maybe once in a while be like me because jesse was just explaining how much he didn't like the episode and i just sat there and listened and I let him make his point. <laughs> and if we all did that with people we disagree with, we might just be a little happier. So for the first time ever, world, be like me. Because I give this a 9.5. <laughs> because I am a diehard Rebels fan. I've seen the series multiple times, and I love it. And Kanan Jarrus is my favorite Jedi. And Jesse, you, you don't even know who that is, and that makes me really sad because he's the best. And maybe one day I'll watch it with you. But there, <laughs> uh, there's... There's a reason why I didn't give it a 10, and I'm sure we will get into that as the episode progresses. All right. Phil, what are you rating this? Are you also changing the ratings in the notes? Because you really just fucked up my math. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if it's that easy to mess with you as we're going through. (laughs) You can't do that to me. Spoiler alert, it is. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, I, I did revise down. Uh, I had, I had originally, uh, put this in as a nine and a half, but I, I, I did drop it back down to a nine. Um, I thought it was a spectacular episode, um, as, as somebody who is a fan of rebels, but not a diehard fan was honestly kind of turned off by the art style of it at the beginning. And it took some, uh, it honestly, it took realizing that, um, uh, Steve Bloom was was in it. That was kind of what won me over uh, was seeing one of my favorite voice actors being like a lead role in there. Um, 
I, I'm not a diehard Rebels fan. I, I love Star Wars and I love some of the ties that we've seen to the uh, old Legends universe. Uh, but this is also, yeah, as as several people have already mentioned, this would have been confusing as fuck to come in uh, without any kind of background. Uh, this episode in particular hits some of that deeper lore uh, very hard, especially at the end. I want to. So, I want to be clear about something with my criticism. I didn't find anything confusing. I found some stuff kind of disappointing. Like, mm, okay, I feel like I understood most of what was put in front of me, um, with maybe one or two exceptions of a shot where I was like, "Oh, that's clearly meant to have gravity," and it just doesn't for me. But most of my nitpicks come from like a, a purely story perspective um and and that's good that's so fair. so yes we, i will clarify those when it's my turn again i just don't i just <laughs> don't want people to to look at me and go well this guy doesn't understand star wars because like come on it's it's star wars he's just over here trooping for the other team this whole time right <laughs> <laughs> Um, and no, nah. we are definitely going to get into all of that because so I'm rating this a nine because I'm a homer and I, I love Star Wars. Um, it's definitely not a perfect episode. I think my only perfect episode was back on episode six, maybe. Um, I, don't, I don't remember, but that gives us a total of 81, which is very on par for what we have rated Ahsoka throughout the entire series. Um, so what we're going to do today for this normally we go through the story and talk about everything and whatever but we're already a half hour into this and we've already done one segment so um what i've done is i have mashed all of our segments into my notes right so we're not gonna end this with one chimers and starlight killer scene while we talk about the episode that's when i'm gonna pull up your one chimers and your starlight killer scenes and we'll talk about not only your shot but then that scene as a whole i feel like it's gonna help uh move the show on a, a little bit quicker than it normally would with five people on a season finale of one of our favorite star wars shows so that being said we're gonna play a little game and it's called love it or hate it and that's how we're gonna do this show so i want to start with the very beginning of the episode, basically, um, and Morgan's new sword and how she got it. Um, now, before we all break into it, Justin's one chimer comes in at this part. So I'm going to play that and let Justin talk about it, um, talk about this whole scene first. So here we go. Even I fell victim to the heroics of a single Jedi. Never again. So yeah, this scene is right before uh, Morgan gets her new sword and, and her new her new dig. So tell us why you picked that particular one-chimer, Justin. Um, and this is coming from a Rebels fan and, and, and a lover, but uh, it's, it's Thrawn showing the lesson that he learned from Ezra just for taking him as a teenager back then for granted and officially learning it. It, it's really hit Morgan saying, yeah, we're, we're going to win. This is uh, no doubt. But Thrawn's just, uh, nah, let's just uh, wait a little bit in anticipation. And then what do you go ahead and figure with he, she leaves Morgan behind as a failsafe and ask for a little more time. So it's just mm -hmm. him showing his dominance with uh, 
strategy and just being tactile but from uh in i can't really understand it from a a uh, non-rebels viewer but uh it'd be interesting to hear what jesse's point of view and that's that's kind of the thing i was going to bring up is like thrawn was always so cool calm and calculated and he shows Mm -hmm. that here um and how much that he's learned to be that cool and calm and calculated but we've all seen that i've i mean us three have read it in the books and we know a lot about the eu stuff with thrawn jesse on the other hand has not seen anything about thrawn so are you a believer that he is as good of a warlord as uh, everybody says he is jesse yeah so this is actually a high point of the whole series for me because thrawn feels like a grown-up like he feels like a smart bad guy he's he's the bad guy that has learned the lesson that all the other star wars bad guys should have probably learned right like no you don't just assume that you have everything under control yes you allocate resources to this every time it comes up you never let this threat go unchallenged he's calm he's calculating i really feel they did a great job of showing why he would be a threat um i i feel like i didn't get to see him be a threat like they they went here he is he could potentially be a threat now we've put him in a place i.e the home galaxy where he can be a threat uh but the show is over so like now here's a here's another part of this i didn't know that this was going to be a multi-season show like I kind of had, a, I, I figured it would be a one season show. And if, you know, if it is going to be a multi-season show, I, I would personally like to know that ahead of time because <laughs> that gives you a little more room for forgiveness for this style of cliffhanger. But I will also say like a cliffhanger at the end of a season should still wrap up the main story of the first season before teasing you about the second season and while i understand that this story of finding ezra and getting him back were wrapped up the show is actually called ahsoka and not ezra so that's a complaint that i have also i found myself falling in love with sabine and really wish we got more of her and that the show had maybe been called sabine because if i was under the impression that this was about sabine i think i would be a lot more forgiving with my ratings because it's her story and it's about her feelings and what she wants and i like that i think that actor did a great job but it's weird because i feel like the series ended up in a place where it traded in its title character for some guy that I've basically never heard of. And it stranded Sabine and Ahsoka in a place where I'm like, could, could we have had flashbacks to her training instead of Anakin <laughs> training Ahsoka? Like, I don't need to see that. I get it. He like Anakin should be a powerful enough name in the star Wars universe to where you don't need to actually physically put him on screen and show him teaching a lesson in my opinion. So interesting. I part of me is like, why did they cliffhang this? Because I didn't know there was going to be a second season, which I now assume there will be. But the other part of me is like, why is this show called Ahsoka if it's mostly not about her? 
I, I don't feel like I know Ahsoka any better in episode eight than I did in episode one, which is she's a badass warrior who doesn't take shit and she always gets the job done. But I don't know anything about what she feels or thinks or cares about basically at all other than try to help the people around her, which is a Jedi thing to do, right? So Yeah. I and I agree with you that you saw a lot more character development for Sabine than you did in Ahsoka throughout this entire series. The the best part of the development was with her and Anakin when she went from Ahsoka the Grey to Ahsoka the White. That was like the biggest <laughs> piece of development we got from her. Um, Justin, you had something that you wanted to say. Oh no no, Aunt, uh, Jesse justified it within his speech. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, well, and yeah. And Josh, oh, you know it. how I am about Star Wars going, here's a weapon that's not a lightsaber that can fight a lightsaber. Like, yeah, every Star Wars does it. And I'm okay with it. I think they did a cool job this time. I liked it just being a straight-up flaming samurai sword. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, why can't, why can't this witch just have a lightsaber? Like, <laughs> just, well, just that having said- a lightsaber. <laughs> Steve, what did you think about seeing the Talzin sword come back in? Because that was like an ancient Night Sister sword that we know about from Clone Wars and Rebels. I, I have to admit that I had forgotten what it was because I don't remember <laughs> that. Uh, but I, I, when I when it popped up, I'm like, okay, that has to be something that we're supposed to know. Now, yeah, that's the other thing. I've, I've dabbled in Clone Wars, especially in the last season and like its later seasons. But if that's from anytime before season four i'm not mm. terribly familiar with it i pretty much and it did, was i did the i did the mall stuff so yeah. it actually it actually does connect to the mall stuff mm-hmm. um talzin okay. herself talzin herself was darth maul's mother mm-hmm. and one of the night sisters on dathomir she was the like the mothers that we see in this show was basically her like she was the leader of that Dathomir mm-hmm. population mm-hmm. I believe. Speaking of the mothers um, in the show, Claudia Black, if you're listening, you can get it. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Ro does say, uh, "Thrawn, we need more time to escape." Also, Thrawn flying the Star Destroyer real slow to have them catch up to us. Shake my head. Um, I mean, it's a big ship. It's it's gonna move slow in the atmosphere, man. Like. I, none of my nitpicks for this were like, you know, Trekkie detail style stuff. Like, I, I, it, it's a show about space magic. I don't care. Like, if, if the reason for a thing is space magic, that's good enough for me. Like, I'm fine with that. So, like, I see the sword and I'm like, oh, it's a magical space sword. Good enough. Because guess what? All the Jedi characters have magical space swords. Like, I, I really am willing to forgive a lot. There is just... There are too many instances where this show either either tries to turn to the side and wink and go like, ha ha, remember that? And as a as a new watcher, I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> but yeah. they I feel like they hamstrung themselves by giving me Ahsoka flashbacks because it's like, now I don't feel like I need to go watch Rebels. I know what happens in Rebels. Anakin struggles to train Ahsoka. Like <laughs> I you know what I mean? Like most of my complaints come from the actual narrative itself and not from like these the little world building details like i i like the world building that they did and i think my favorite episode is 
it might have been the first episode where Ahsoka's in the temple unlocking everything mm. like Tomb Raider style. That was I mean that was a <laughs> yeah. straight video game and I was fine with that. Like I'm like yeah. this is fun to watch. I like the way she fights. She's doing cool stuff. And then the the pacing just died after that mm. for the most part. Like there were still stuff there were still things and narrative threads that I couldn't wait to get the next part of, but I think on the whole there wasn't enough for a casual fan. And I'm not saying that you should write your show for casual fans, but I do think you should make your show, like consider that this might be somebody's entry point into these characters and treat it, you know, that way at least. Right. Um, Mm. And I think that's, that's a, a good comment because I, I think this show was made more for hardcore fans. I think it was absolutely more of like, here you go, guys. This is this is what's going on. But people that watch Mandalorian can probably pop in and be like, oh, this is that Thrawn guy they're talking about. Cool. And not really care about the past stuff. But because, you know, Thrawn's going to be in Mando season four or he's going to be a prominent character, I would assume. So they got to still kind of explain how he comes back, um, which they did. It's, I mean, I don't want to, at least they didn't do Book of Boba Fett where it was Mandalorian season 2.5. You know what I mean? They, they still kind of kept this on its own and kept it its own series um, as a way to introduce the uh, quote-unquote big bad of the Mandoverse, which I say quote-unquote because I think that's going to change later on, but we'll get there later. Steve, what did you have? I was going to comment on the fact, like, why they maybe called it Ahsoka instead of something else. And it just seems like she is this season. She's the one in the driver's seat, whereas in Rebels, she's really only in season two. Spoiler alert. True. Uh, uh, she does. She's a presence in season one. She's in season two, and then she goes on her own journey. And pretty much, I would say Ezra is the driving force of the entire series, and then everyone else kind of gets an either an arc every episode or an arc every few. Mm-hmm. It's like Sabine has her has the driver's seat for most of season four and Kanan and Hera have a driver's seat for a lot of it. But you know, for the most part, Ahsoka was not the driving force of Rebels. So this is the continuation of that series, but giving her and in season two, she wasn't in season two. She wasn't the driving the driving force anyway. She was a right. presence. So, so this is more of this is more of a, a continuation of Clone Wars, to be honest with you. Like yeah. you can basically watch Clone Wars, watch those few episodes on Rebels with Ahsoka, and then come right here and be caught up just fine. Anakin is not in Rebels. No, not even. I mean, Anakin isn't. But Anakin. anyway, let's uh, let's go on to the. We we talked a little bit about the sword being in action. I thought it was really cool to see the Talzin sword actually fighting against. Um, Ahsoka and like Diana Lee and, and Osanto is a, a G like she she kills it and you really see that she's you know Bruce Lee's goddaughter and that she is trained in in the martial arts for a long time in this episode um, I believe that she did all of her own sword fighting with Ahsoka and um, it's uh it's a really nice throwback to that Mando season two fight with her with the best yes. star spear yep so it was uh yeah, it was a good like final battle, you know. 
Are you kidding me? Um, like it, that the shooting of the scene was beautiful. The choreography was on point. Like you you really couldn't tell that it was fake. Just like just and most of that could have been one sided because well, one is a trained martial artist and the other one is, you know, an actor. I yeah. But, but, uh, I, see, I felt the the opposite. I, uh, the whole time I was looking at Morgan, so the 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 scene felt real. I, I did not okay. focus watching Ahsoka yet. I this is a complaint that I have with the entire show. I, I feel like anytime we got a wide shot of Ahsoka fighting with a lightsaber, it was very clearly not Rosario Dawson. Because when they would cut back to the close up, I like I am I do not like to criticize actors' performances in any way. I really don't. But I, I didn't feel the physicality from her. Like there was no weight to the movements that she was making, and I understand it's a sword made of light. But like, I I don't know. I, there was no strain. Like there was no. I didn't see her, effort on her face. Because it, it she's not Jedi the master. Uh, not the same weight to it like you would see with like any of Balin's uh, fight scenes, right. where his his saber. He definitely had more of the uh, claymore episode, right. like the episode four. Hey, these things are heavy. They're awkward. Kind yeah. of. Uh, feel to it. I can see that. I got you, Jesse. Ha now, have you seen? I, I know you've seen anime, right? Oh yeah. What about Samurai Champloo? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, one of the characters is a Ronin and a samurai. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're stoic the whole time, even while fighting. Sure. Can you use that comparison? Maybe. I so, I feel that. Um. But if your main character isn't emoting while they're in high stakes situations, it decreases my investment in the show. Like mm -hmm. in, in Samurai Champloo, the Ronin is part of an ensemble, right? And this is this is like this is Luke Skywalker taking on the big bad by himself, uh, you know, to save everybody in the show. So like feeling needs to be there regardless of 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 the character you know ability level in in my opinion and obviously i am not a writer i am not an actor i am just telling you how it struck me in the moment which was i, I, I just there was something about it that felt too clean and not i don't want to say realistic because i get that that's a dumb thing <laughs> like that's a that's a <laughs> stupid bar to try to hold a show like this too um it just it didn't it didn't work for me personally um but i do agree that that fight was great and i i had a complaint when she lost her little lightsaber because i was like that should that should matter like that should be a momentous moment and then like four seconds later she's got a second sword again which i understand <laughs> and it looks cool but i was like eh. Maybe she should have lost that little lightsaber in the last episode, and then you know this is where she gets her replacement. I, again, these I understand these are nitpicky things, um, but they are true to my experience of the show. I am so happy that you brought up that Ahsoka had two sto two swords because that's actually my Sarlacc killer scene at the thirty one minute mark, when Ahsoka <clears throat> just cuts up Morgan with her sword, and Ahsoka's lightsaber. I thought that was an extremely cool way for Morgan to go out um, and a really good callback to Tales of the Jedi 
when Ahsoka actually stops the Inquisitor with her bare hands and then takes his lightsaber away from him and cuts his head off with it. So, uh, really cool callback, and um, I, I, I just I loved that whole take. I'm gonna take your sword and kill you with your own weapon thing. And actually, to Rose's point in the chat, like some of the prosthetics in this. I, like I could, I couldn't hang, and I and I apologize for that. Like, I you know I'm, coming coming from a I'm Star Trek background, you. like I I get that prosthetics are not always gonna work, but like every time Ahsoka would cross her arms, I was like, does that hurt to have her <laughs> head tails in her armpits? Like, because they couldn't get away from it. And, and then yeah. you know, like I I fully understand that there's a bit of charm to go with practical effects and. But like the wiggling on the end of the tails for her and Hera really distracted me. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that's a fair thing to hold against the show, but it, it is true. It it made me be like, I wonder what it's like to wear that on set, and like I wonder how it feels. You know, I just it brought me out of the story because I started thinking about the actor instead of the character. I would say that's fair because my girlfriend did the same thing. She's like, is that like is that a real like wig <laughs> thing? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I actually right, haven't considered that this entire time. So yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> no, I, I, but that's my point. Is like it's probably down to the viewer, right? Like, and there I would believe that there are viewers that are like, no, I'm glad that it's practical because that's how classic Star Wars is. I don't want CG effects on my character's face. You know, like I, and that's perfectly valid. I, I just. There was a couple times where I was like, maybe they could have shortened those, or like, you know, just changed where they where they fall on her vest. I, yeah, it's not I'm a big surprised. problem, but it's a I'm thing. I'm surprised I they didn't do a Deadpool thing where, and like Ryan Reynolds has like six different kinds of masks to wear. Like there's one <laughs> there's one mask that he wears that is completely translucent to him. Like right. his whole face, his whole like he can see out of the whole thing for fight scenes. Yeah, and from far away, it's like you can. It just looks like the regular mask. If you get close, you can see it's like you know uh sunglasses that are what do you call those right the ones you can't see through from the outside mirrored like is that, is that it or yeah, whatever but yeah so that's the i'm, <laughs> I'm surprised they, i'm surprised they didn't have something like that for her headdress it was like oh here's your stunt headdress where it will move a little more freely right like like a piece yeah. of your body would and yeah. they they might have done. We just haven't gotten to see that much behind the scenes stuff on this yet. So based on what Jesse's yeah. saying, it seems like they didn't because it's still hindering her <laughs> movements while she's fighting. So, which I I could see it because there's there's a lot of times in in this whole series where there's fight scenes, and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I believe Ahsoka is like really fighting it. It seems like it was kind of. It was very choreographed, very choreographed, where you could see the steps. You could see the one, two, three, swing, two, four, swing, back, spin, twist, spin, three, five, you know. Like, you could just kind of feel it. And maybe that's, maybe that's the marching band in me where I... <laughs> you know? Roll step, Josh, roll step. There were you moments, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there were a couple of moments in the whole series where I honestly... I, like I felt like I was looking at actors on a set in front of a green screen. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It, there were yep. moments in the fights where I was like, I don't, this is not, this doesn't feel authentic. Like, right. and again, I don't mean to level that at all of star Wars because like Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan's fight in episode one, you're like, obviously none of this is real, but it 
they're really selling it. And yeah. I feel like there were a few fights in this series that just didn't get sold. And and I'm okay with that. I just I feel like it's only fair to bring it up. I, I don't know the reason behind it, obviously, because I wasn't there. But No, and it makes sense because I'm right there with you. Um, but on the topic of selling things, Steve, uh, you get to be the spotlight now because the next scene um, is all about Ezra and, and, Hu, and Hu Yang and building a lightsaber. So we're going to start with your uh, Starlight Killer scene, which came in at the 9 minute and 18 second mark, and it was Ezra igniting his lightsaber, which was, for me, one of the most emotional scenes because I watched Rebels, because I love Kanan, because I loved the relationship that Ezra and Kanan had. It was incredibly emotional to see him get that piece of the lightsaber that was the exact same as Kanan's and then light it up and it's blue just like Kanan's and like you know Hu Yang giving him props as in like you must have been a good student and just that whole scene was was a very emotional scene um and I I I can't I can't get enough the uh Ezra the, the guy that plays Ezra um did a fantastic job he sold me on Ezra hard like like by the end of this i was like that is ezra like he could be the voice actor and i would be completely okay with it like i he was really good it was like he studied rebels and studied ezra and his vernacular and his movements because he was great and thankfully they didn't go with someone's like oh we need someone that looks just like the character from the from the anime because damn iman uh iman is 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 a handsome handsome man he is he's yeah, a handsome I, devil I'm totally, I'm totally here for it uh i so i chose this scene because i mean it was just beautiful a um justin i'm really glad you were wrong uh from a previous episode where you thought if he picked up his lightsaber it would bleed because he's using the oh that was side. me oh that was I, me really what did, justin yeah. said something else it I was me <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I, else I, I list. <laughs> i'm really I just, happy like, that was not the case yeah, I agree. Me too. And it was yeah, just a thought. I wasn't like making that prediction. I was just like, maybe that's one of the reasons is because he's using more dark side and it would do something to the crystal. But those are definitely stormtrooper dog tags that he's wearing his chainmail, though. I, I paused for sure. Uh, but yeah, seeing that scene really that was like my my, my single man tier moment because I'm like, all right, that's probably as close as we're gonna get to seeing Kanan, and that's and just the fact that it's his lightsaber. And that made yeah. just made me really happy. And of course, you know, it also kind of gives that vibe of Obi Wan using Qui Gon's lightsaber to finish Maul, where it's like he he passed it on. I always bugged mm. me. It always bugged me in, in Attack of the Clones that he was not still using Obi uh, Qui Gon's green blade, like he moved back to a blue one. I'm sure there's a there's a lore reason for that, but I like the fact that Ezra has now kind of taken up not he's not the he's not Sabine's master but he's he's progressed to the next level by having see Kanan's blade and and is he gonna be Sabine's master or is he gonna be Jason's master probably Jason's master yeah but, I, so because uh, he hasn't, like he hasn't even met Jason yet <laughs> um I, so Scarif or sorry Rose says we had a discussion on today's audio drop Kanan's name in the temple was not Kanan Jarrus he changed his name from Caleb Doom how did Hu Yang recognize the name and Phil responded with pretty sure he and Ahsoka would have talked about him yeah. I would also agree with that but yep. at the same time Hu Yang remembers every single lightsaber made and so when Ezra found that piece he would have recognized that that was the piece that Caleb Doom had used before 
and and Hugh so, Yang straight up said Caleb, like he he knew exactly who he was talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Like he, he like, didn't call he didn't call him by his fake name. He called him by the name that he knew. Like he right. He knows what's up. Right, and Hu Yang, by the way, is just the best in this entire series. He really, really, really I just, is. I really liked him. He's uh, he's essentially a Vulcan in Star Wars. <laughs> so I was totally here for that character. I was like, hey, I mean, he name drops capital L logic at least a couple of times throughout the series. <laughs> so I was like, I'm here for this guy. I like that he's snarky. I like that it's a droid with an attitude. Like... Yeah. I like that he has some of his own capabilities and that he's useful in a lot of ways. Like, and that he has, like I said, he has a personality. Like, I don't know if he's programmed to have feelings, but he seems to be programmed to emulate feelings. And I really, I really like that because it gives me, you know, one more connection to Star Trek. He's kind of like a data and he, yeah. he gets it and he understands that, you know, humanoids are are gonna be running on emotion and you know if you're training jedi especially young jedi you're gonna need to be able to deal with that so i i really liked that character a lot steve i got one more little caveat or caveat uh anecdote with with this scene is that i think the whole not the whole reason that hugh, hugh yang is in the series but it it gives us a logical reason logic as to why ezra is able to do this like how you know did he wouldn't have his own light a new lightsaber in this other world and he clearly did right and then he in the galaxy further and further away he came and hu yang is there <laughs> like oh cool i can rebuild my lightsaber instead of just taking mine back it also right. to me it answered a little question that i've always had was that where did luke get his green blade because he didn't I don't think he went to Hu Yang. He didn't know who in he a deleted was. scene of Return of the Jedi. Yes, but <laughs> you see him like fired up. But my yeah. theory that I just I just came up with this today was that when he went back to Tatooine to free Han, he went to Obi Wan's hut and started looking around just for inspiration. For he was looking for for Obi Wan's maybe Force Ghost and whatnot, and he found Qui Gon's blade. I believe and, there and is a story. That. I believe there's a story in canon that goes through, I, I don't I know don't exactly know. where it is, but I'm pretty sure that there is an explanation for how Luke did it, and it does have something to do with Obi-Wan. Okay. Um, I think it's more that he found books in Obi-Wan's hut that helped uh, helped him build the lightsaber. I can, um, I can see that. Too, I'm not positive. I can see Phil over there already fact-checking me, so... What you got, Phil? No, I I was just gonna say. I mean, the only the only reason it changed was because it was easier for them to do the effects on it when when they were like out doing the desert sequence. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, fine. That's that's as, fine. Th that's Whatever. literally the the only reason that they had his new blade be green instead was because it was easier to see against the desert backdrop when they were filming in Tunisia. Um, <laughs> this guy, this yeah. guy, just ruining it all. Yeah. Rose Rose throwing the same thing into chat. <laughs> um but you guys. <laughs> uh but if you want something thematically um they have tied green blades to uncertainty mm. and kind of questioning the path forward of the user and blue blades to characters who are much more kind of established and kind of Dog ongoing tech. with the uh traditions and things and pretty set with everything and interesting i'll just mention yeah. 
Ro in the chat said Star Wars does droids pretty well. I think that's actually why I like Hu Yang, because I mostly disagree with that statement. Like, <laughs> I feel like Hu Yang is one of the instances where they did do really well. And, like, Chopper, I don't need that. Like, you... Oh, he is, oh, that's where, that's where you watch this Rebels, man. My dude. Boo! <laughs> straight, he is a straight joke character. Like, you can tell what he's saying because it's just a guy talking that they digitize, right? And it's like he's got all the same inflections as a person, but it's a droid. Like, just a guy. I don't, I don't need that. He's he's an R two D two stand in, and I don't personally need that. But that does he's, lead me. He's the voice of the writer. It and so it leads me to a realization that Josh is going to love to hear, which is oh as God. I was thinking about my rating for this, I was like. Maybe I really am forgetting who Star Wars is for, and that's why I'm judging it so harshly, right? Because Star Wars is always for kids, and not mm. in like a, you know, only kids like this kind of way, but in a this needs to be accessible to kids, because sure. that is the essence of Star Wars. So I, you know, I'm going to still well. apply some of the same logic but i i do try to to lean off of that see i don't even know who c110 is i did like k2so but again it's because he had a personality and he felt like sorry he was he was thinking about things so i just i i don't care about chopper and this series did not make me care about chopper well and oh, here's the thing about chopper is that it's c110p chop yeah. but um it he was such an integral part to rebels and like did did way more than than he did in this show and like i'm I'm talking like committing war crimes to the highest degree where you're like this droid is unhinged and i love him like r2d2 I mean, with a kill count yeah dude it's just the overall so, badass with a good personality but maybe that's coming from a rebels like fan and it's got to be seen. That's that's why it's good to have someone that hasn't uh, seen Rebels on here with watch Rebels. because Chopper. <laughs> you will because learn Chopper to for love us, him. Chopper for us is like one of the best droids ever created. But for someone that's just meeting Chopper, he makes no sense. So that's like the essence of my. I guess you could call it a complaint, right? Is like the show needs to understand that there will be viewers who have no connection to these characters. And if you don't give me something like definitively meaningful with all of these characters, there are going to be ones that I'm like, don't need that. Like I like for me, that includes Ezra. Like I don't get why they wanted to go get him so bad other than he was gone a long time because once he shows up, he's not like a Luke level Jedi master. Who's going to save the day. He's like, all right. And I feel like Ahsoka is maybe more talented and stronger than he is, which makes sense in a show called Ahsoka. But <laughs> that makes me wonder why they were so hell-bent on getting him back. Like, you're going to trade a pretty all-right guy that everybody misses for, like, the biggest threat since Vader? That doesn't actually math correctly. So I... <laughs> like, there are some serious no. spots where I was like, why is this happening? And And I'm not saying that you know, there wasn't a reason. I'm saying that as a casual fan, I couldn't see it, and that affected how I how much I enjoyed the show. 
as sure. Fast and Furious it, it would uh, say and quote, family. <laughs> family. Oh my goodness. And Rebels is the biggest. Like Jesse, you and I did, you know, a, a show about found found family basically firefly yeah. and cowboy people it's all about found found family and rebels is like the epitome of found family in star wars like there's if there's one show or one series that really embraces that um it's rebels and so that's a big reason ezra is a big deal to fans like us because you know we we watched four seasons of them become as close as they were. Kanan Jarrus was, was Malcolm Reynolds of the lightsaber. And I'm sure yeah, that season two will finally get the band back together. Right. But like as a, as a fresh narrative to me, all they did was trade their two best pieces for an all right piece in a situation where they need only their best pieces. <laughs> like, so right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fully, ready to see their family get reunited but like i i feel like if you're gonna put that much importance on it at the start of this season then at the end of the season there needs to be a moment where we're like okay now they're now they can face this threat because now season two is going to be very similar to season one in that they're going to need to figure out a way to get between galaxies so that everybody can fight thrawn like mm -hmm. i it, and that's why th there might not even be a season two of Ahsoka. Steve, what you got? <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I'm, I'm agreeing to disagree with you, Jesse, because I think, and I'm going to I'm gonna go again with my favorite Jedi here and also the wonderful actor that portrays him, is that Freddie Prince Jr. has said, stated that the Force is about balance. And I don't think they traded their best pieces for the, you know, for what you just said, I think. Yes, Ezra and Thrawn are now in the main galaxy, and Sabine and, and Ahsoka are in the galaxy far, far away. But, but I do believe they are right where they're supposed to be, because there is something, there is something on that planet, and I am, I, I, I will throw and and or season two and Bo book both at season two, if there is one, and Mandalorian season season four on the on the funeral pyre if I get Ahsoka season two like next year prompt yeah. so find out what the frack is going on. But actually, planet. and that's totally fair, but here that actually brings up another complaint that I have. We know, <laughs> we know that Ahsoka and Sabine are right where they're supposed to be because Ahsoka just says that to the camera <laughs> and she says, it's time to move on. And I'm like, your, 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 your character in your story is telling me narrative beats like come on man like i like i get it again i totally get it but like that to me that smacks of ahsoka looking at the camera and going be satisfied with this finale and i'm like well now i'm not gonna like if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna tell me that i should be okay with this then i'm gonna wonder why and, and I really am not invested enough to be this animated about it, but I want you to know that I'm not like doing this to be a jerk. Like I'm doing it because it honestly put me in the headspace of like, what is happening now? And like, why have characters say like, don't worry, it's the last episode, but there's more story. Like, show me that man. Don't, don't actually tell me that in plain English. Rose seems didn't... to agree with you on that. Justin, what, what you You got? didn't get the feeling that Ahsoka was, or Rosario is just playing Ahsoka as just the the, the samurai, Ronin, uh, true Jedi, just 
shrugging everything off and just like, all right, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Like a Zen kind of thought, well, let's go on to the next point. Like this is the one thing we can control. I, I hear you. And I, I think that's probably valid, but like, I didn't get that vibe from Ahsoka. The uh, vibe I got from Ahsoka was I need to atone for mistakes that I made. And then at the end of that to be like, Hey, I'm fine. Relax is kind of like <laughs> disrespectful to all the other characters feelings. Like Sabine spent this whole time wanting to see Ezra again. And then she gets to, and then Ezra gets taken away and Ahsoka's like, dude, it's fine. Like we, you know, we, we still got to train you. Like, don't worry about it. And it's like, uh, don't, I, that just, that I, that doesn't sit well with me. And I think it repeats some mistakes that Jedi masters have made in the past with their apprentices and telling them like, Hey, stop living in your feelings. Like you can say that as many times as you want, but until that character learns to do that, it's not a good strategy. <laughs> in my opinion again Does, this is my opinion and you're right ricky i'm gonna get this award like <laughs> and, and i think i will earn it because at the end of this there will be one thing that i say where they're like man you made some good points but then you said this and now i hate you <laughs> i'm i'm gonna actually like just drop over into like tinkercad and start like crafting a little like worst guest ever like award that i can 3d print when i'm at work it's gonna be gladly accept it it's gonna be great oh my goodness well a podcasting mic that's on fire we spent a lot of time on this first part of this episode um which is fine because we have talked about a couple other things like at the end of the episode um but i really wanted to talk about ahsoka and sabine's relationship um which came oh you know what though you know what though before we go there steve your one chimer was right at this scene that we started that argument on so i'm going to play that real quick and then we'll move on to ahsoka and speak who told you how to build a lightsaber anyway kanan jarris is that so yeah he was my master taught me everything i know and i taught him how to build a lightsaber what of course. Now it all makes sense. That kind of brings up the question again, because Sabine only said Kane and Jairus and not Caleb Doom, and he knew exactly who it, who it was. But that also, like Phil said, they had to have had a conversation about the name change eventually. So, Plus, I mean, Hu Yang's got to have, you know, almost a myriad of uh, years of, you know, memory and information memory <laughs> he's yeah, just he's sure. been doing this for forever uh, furthermore in the in the beginning of that scene when they're when the two of them are bouncing off each other in that little room that is that is my wife and i in the kitchen and that is constantly why i tell her that the kitchen is not her place in this family it is mine get out <laughs> oh my goodness i, I, I my I'm wife flipping and reversing it my wife can't cook either, so like, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Steve is talking shit. I think he's just being like really, really honest with us. So I appreciate that. Yeah. That's great, um, and that is one of again, like I said earlier, it's one of my favorite scenes of the whole show because it does bring out a lot of rebels' emotion and a lot of that kind of nostalgia from just Ezra saying he was my master. That's an Ahsoka reference from when Ahsoka's telling Ezra about Anakin and Darth Vader because she at one point goes, he was my master. So 
the, there's all sorts of references in these shows or in in the series that uh that go back to everything you know including the the random little animated things so let's get on to ahsoka and sabine's relationship um to me it 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 it's hard to explain because at first like at the end of rebels ahsoka's taking her on to train and then in ahsoka you start out with they have this a skewed relationship where they they don't really talk anymore and like they broke up or whatever and sabine just kind of bails on ahsoka which at the time you're like wow why didn't you just like destroy the map like ahsoka said you were really selfish about this blah 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 but then ahsoka kind of comes out in this episode and they have their their own little like reconciling period um to me it seemed a little um like there was no stakes there i guess in a way i know sabine was like i thought you were dead blah 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 but sabine wasn't really tore up about the whole thing you know it was just kind of like oh you're alive cool um whatever so i don't know it, it was just a little bit by the end of it i was a little i guess i wasn't as convinced that those two were the best master and apprentice. Well, so I think that that's on purpose. I think that I'll just reiterate. I think Sabine is the best character in this entire show. Natasha Lou Bordizzo does an amazing job at making me care about Sabine, who's a character that I have never met before this show. And I kind of wish the show was called Sabine and we had a little more insight into her but she functions perfectly as the untrained Jedi apprentice, right? Like she's in her feelings. She does things for personal reasons. She feels realistic and human and three-dimensional to me in a way that maybe none of the other characters in this show do. Um, they all feel like they're there to serve a function, whereas she feels like there's a story happening to her and she's attempting to influence that story in any way that she can. And, you know, to make that hard choice of, yes, this is probably considered the bad way to get to the other galaxy. It's like, it's very human of her to go, but this is my only shot. And I think my master is dead. So like, I like, what do I have to lose? If, if the only goal that I have, which it does appear to be the case is to see Ezra again, then I'm going to do that. However, I have to do that. And it's a nice, you know, I guess you could call it like a mini betrayal of the Jedi because she's not <laughs> she's she's not willing to like trust in the process, right? She's like, "No, I'm going to make things happen." And I think that makes her more compelling than most of the characters in this show because it's more realistic. And she has such an emotive presence. Like she can really really act. I am excited to see her in more things and I, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to season two because I want to see what she does. I have zero issue with her, you know, air quotes, suddenly learning to use the force really well. I have zero issue with her, like, being uh, more adept at it than some people on the internet seem to think she, air quotes, should be. Because, again, it's space magic, so relax. And <laughs> I... I just feel like her character is the one that matters 
in this show. And I gotta ask you guys, where, what is Ahsoka, like, the world between worlds, I think is what I saw it called on the internet. What, what, what is going on? Like, is it magic water too? Like what I just listen, is it purely that, a mental space? Like I, I need, I'm, I'm telling you that all was just a near death experience dream that she had where she was in if the it helps. Yeah. If it helps, she was like halfway between like the real world and Stovacor purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it, no, well, I mean, that's okay. Uh, but like, I don't know, man. A lot of I don't. I don't think... need Anakin. I really don't need Anakin. Like, well, I... and here's the thing: is a lot of people think that the world between worlds, like she got transferred there or transported there, and I am fully under the impression that she was dreaming and that she was having a force vision where she did, where she saw Anakin, um, and that you know Anakin would have been the only one to have really come through to her, and so it made the most sense considering he was her master to actually have a final training lesson with her. Um, but at the same time, like the force ghost can speak to you through dreams, right? So <laughs> you would assume that even in her force dream, she's still speaking with the real Anakin. Phil, what were you going to say? I, I was just going to say that um, in, in previous instances where we have seen the world between worlds, there's been an actual portal, a doorway portal, yes. uh, that characters passed through. And there was uh, a portal. We, you could see it in this, but she not. It, it was not as clear of an entry right. into a um, interdimensional kind of space uh, that it right. would have been in uh, in the uh, animated series earlier. Um, On the other hand, so, the, the world between worlds is the logo for the show. That's true, right? And and Boom. and like it gave me that feeling of like oh this is like a parallel to the map that she found right like this is this is a world that she's in like she's physically here and and i'm okay with it like i said space magic does not bother me but if you don't explain it it kind of sticks in my craw of like can you can you just pick whatever you want i like your explanation <laughs> better josh where it's like no, she's using the force to keep herself alive, and that's influencing her dreams here. I, I just, I don't, and and not to jump topics again, but I don't like the little kid. I did not need the little kid. Oh, um, <laughs> I just didn't need that. Like, and again, I fully get why he's there. I just, I just didn't need it personally for for this narrative. So I'm for someone I, I'm that not didn't gonna, watch Rebels, right? And it I'm not gonna make any sense. I'm not gonna hang up on that. I just. As a casual fan, I was like, oh, okay, here's the kid character. Like, <laughs> Yep, and and I definitely had those thoughts as the show, like when Jason came in, I was like, oh, people are not really going to give two shits about this character. <laughs> Whereas like me, who loved Kanan and the sacrifice that Kanan made, like Jason is integral, you know, he's huge. And um, I, I think he'll, he'll play a bigger role in this new Ray series that they're going to come out with. Um, I do right. think so that the I world that was a movie. Are you telling me we're getting another yeah. Disney Plus series? No, no, no. The Ray movie series because oh, okay. it's not just going to be one Goodness. movie. There's going to uh, be more movies. Um, 
I, but I, I think I want to, to your see point, Star Wars in a goddamn movie theater. <laughs> yeah, me too. Sorry, I, I, I did. I did love this show, but for for fuck's sake, can we go yeah. to a theater? Do you remember I, what happened the last time Star Wars Star Wars was in the theater, Steve? Because bruh, Rogue One was amazing. That is, that is all no, I no. have to say. Is that the last one you watched in the theater? Because no, I'm, I, okay. pretend, I pretend he's revising history for his own okay. mental health. Gotcha. It's fully gotcha. understandable. Um, and to your point, Steve, the world between worlds being in the Ahsoka logo could lead to season two and how they have to find the world between worlds on uh, Peraria, Peraria, whatever it Peridia. is. Peridia. Peridia. Um, and they'd have to find it there to get back to the galaxy because there's really no other way they can get there. I, I um, mean, one, one, more, one more point of interest here. I, I did enjoy Rise of Skywalker in the theater. It wasn't uh, until I started thinking and watching it the third time that I was like, oh, my God, what what did they do to us? But once what, what I, once what I, I was, applied what coherent I was, thought, I was like, oh, God, no. When I, when I, was, feeling, <laughs> when I was feeling THX wash over me inside of the, the theater, and my brain was and my brain was just full of uh, serotonin star like, destroyers <laughs> and lando and yeah. all the different ships and wedge and yeah you got to see all those cool characters and then you got home and you thought about it and you're like what the fuck did i just watch it, it's, it's like it's like getting out of the marine corps you, like you, they issue your brains back and so when i got home yeah. my brain was was given back to me like oh that wasn't that was probably the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. But you know you know how I knew that that movie sucked? Because I didn't cry once. Mm. And I cry in Star Wars every time. Even Last Jedi got me going, man. Like, And not even one time did it happen in, in Rise of Skywalker. And, and I got home and I was like, why did that? Oh. So the next scene, the, my personal favorite scene it actually comes right now um it's the ground assault where the ground assault begins with ahsoka and they're running towards the base and and um they're they're trying to get in to stop thrawn and at this point this is where thrawn rain hellfire upon them there'll be no negotiating with the apprentice of anakin skywalker I don't think Thrawn has ever said a more truer statement than that. Um, there is absolutely no negotiating with Anakin, and there is absolutely no negotiating with his Padawan. Um, and I loved that you're kind of realizing how how smart Thrawn is, and and how intuitive he is, and how he like really studies up on things and knows like oh i know anakin and i know darth vader and i know those guys are not forces to be messed with and so then when when he says you know rain hellfire upon them like that's i think that's one of the first times we've ever heard that in a star wars in a star war well and and it, it was incredible lars mickelson gives such a good performance with thrawn but it brings up the question of does star wars have heaven and hell in it yeah, you know, I thought the same thing. I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> Episode um, one, Anakin asks. Uh, Anakin asks. He does. Uh, he asks Padme, if she's an angel. Yes, if she's an angel. I, yeah. That's true. I don't. I don't. We, there's, there's I don't no, need there's that. No heaven and hell in, in, in this universe. Oh jeez. Yeah. We're getting point, deep point here being, now. Point being, like. I, I 
you know, as a as a Trekkie, I'm fine with villains taking artistic license and, you know, maybe having terminology available to them that doesn't make sense for them to have available. But it did. I mean, I love that scene. And again, it was gorgeous. And it really drove home to me that Thrawn is a good villain because he he is without mercy and he's not an idiot. Like, yes, you should just shoot them. You should always just shoot them. Like, you, sh you should never let hubris get in the way of you finishing your task, which is what most Imperials do, right? So I liked that, but it did make me go, wait. <laughs> it kind of throws back to the very first scene of this series where the Republic, where Balin and Shin show up to that ship, and the guy, the Republic officer, is like, I don't believe it. I'm going to go call their bluff. And then he just gets murdered. Yeah, so, he should have shot their ship out of the sky just, immediately. Yeah. Like, they just open the doors, all guns blazing. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's good to see Thrawn in all of his glory. I had a big thing about it last week. I took part of that first episode as just like a direct indictment of Star Trek. Like, they have a captain on the bridge going no no let's negotiate and then he actually tells somebody else hey you have the bridge like it was it was very much a star trek moment um <laughs> at the start of a star wars but i, I, and I liked then it. everyone died in yeah. true star trek fashion <laughs> and, and to me that was them going like here's why you don't negotiate with some characters like i and i liked it. i thought it was effective well, Anakin had two negotiation styles. Regular, which meant to uh, delay, and then aggressive negotiations, which meant to uh, bite you real soon. Just, just wreck things. Yeah. Anyone else want to negotiate? Yeah. <laughs> um, and this it was a really good introduction to this whole last battle scene, because this, this whole episode is just action from basically start to finish. Uh, maybe not very beginning, but from now, it's just all action. Um, and we get, you know, the Night Sisters giving their gift to the Stormtroopers, basically. Um, I love that Thrawn brings up, uh, you know, do the Night Troopers know what's happening right now? Do they understand what's going on? And, you know, Morgan is like, yes, they all understand that they're here to die, basically. They're not going to live. They're not going to make it back home. They know they're going to die. Um, now, what we didn't realize was that these guys were all still living. I think we had a, a theory last week um, or the week before that they were already dead and that they were basically zombies already. Now, this kind of proves that they were not dead, that the Night Sisters had to give them this gift to make sure that they came back to life. Um, and this is Justin's actual first... Uh, his his Sarlacc killer scene is is during this part where all the night troopers get killed and then they come back at the 20 minute and 49 second mark and you see the little green smoke. So Justin, I know you were just over there raising your hand feverishly. Uh, what did you have to say? Well, first, uh, I'll, I'll I'll defend this uh, point that those guys that did the canes from WF like choke up and hold were definitely dead for a long time. And I think Phil yeah. will agree. Like once you, their the mask is broken off, you see him like decomposing already. But oh, yeah. to get into this scene, 
<laughs> it's the the it's the fizzy little green uh mist coming up and in, uh into the stormtrooper and, and resurrecting him um as a big uh fan of zombie flicks you really don't see a a, a wide eye wide uh photo or a picture of a of a, a zombie being re resurrected especially from grand level so that was a, a great like way to view this um and then just to see his hand crunch it right at the end into mm. a fist was so ominous it was I'm, i was just screaming at the same time like oh oh my two favorite genres are combining zombies and star wars yeah and it was it was really cool to see that they were actual zombies that they they died and then they were brought back to life basically and it's like now that they bring zombies into star wars like like how the hell are you gonna defeat these guys they did everything they could headshot. i mean they had to and that's what i was gonna say they had to do the headshot basically to get rid of them but ahsoka sabine and ezra were struggling with with these first batch this first batch of zombie troopers. lightsabers lightsabers don't even hurt them well, yeah. that's not true. If you put a lightsaber through their face, they will stop. And I, <laughs> I'll repeat that by removing the head or destroying the, the brain. Stem. I, <laughs> I had initially bugged on that because I was like, I don't care about zombies at all, and I don't need them in Star Wars. But I was able to get past it because I realized, oh, these guys, these these good characters are not headshotting guys immediately because they they only fight because they have to right like they're not fighting with anger and that's why they're not giving headshots and stuff like that so it actually worked for me eventually uh i just had to think about it for a second and i i stand by i don't care about zombies at all well and again not watching the animated series it's kind of jarring because in clone wars and rebels we got to see night sisters actually raise people from the dead and we got to see actual night sister zombies justin and i well i used to play this game called galaxy of heroes we talked about it all the time and one of the characters is a night sister zombie so i am very familiar with with all of the the zombie lore in star wars but people like you the normies you know <laughs> might not might not appreciate that as much um, I've, I've seen enough zombie things and played enough zombie video games to last me several lifetimes it's not that it's it's not that i'm like star wars can't do that it's just that i'm like i'm over the concept over of zombies. it yeah i get it um <laughs> they're get coming it. to get you ezra <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um and and Justin, you brought up another really good point. Was the Sabine and Ezra battle with the undead? That was a direct callback to Death Troopers, the book. The cover of that book is a zombie with half of its mask missing, and you see the like decaying face underneath. And so, when that happened in this episode, when Sabine just shoots that stormtrooper in the face and nothing really happens, you just see the dead body. I was like, oh my God, Phil was right. This is crazy. And it was, it kind of makes me want to go back and read those books hang because on, they hang were on, really hang interesting on, hang books. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go. Say that again. <laughs> loop Phil, loop Phil back to right. that. I, okay, Phil, okay. Phil was right. One more time. Was right. Phil, okay, Phil was cool. Right. Boom! <laughs> Wait, so so Josh said Phil was right, and then Ricky drops a heart in the chat. Did I just pop into an alternate universe? What what's going on here? You might have, you might have. <laughs> they probably they probably Rick turned on universe? the Hadron Collider again. We just 
shifted. Um, Quick, look up a Berenstein Bears book. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so one big big scene of this is actually Jesse's one chimer. Um, it is the scene with Sabine, um, and it, it leads into kind of my next big topic of discussion. So let's play Jesse's one chimer real quick. All friends are dead, and you will die here alone. Not alone. Take it away, Jesse. She delivered that with more emotion than maybe any of Ahsoka's lines. I and and I hear you, Justin. She's the she's the calm, cool, chilled out Ronan. That's fine. Um, she's also the main character. I should care about what she feels. And I didn't end up in that space. I ended up caring about Sabine and what she wanted and what she felt and the journey that she was on. And that is the moment where you should be reminded, yeah, Jedi tried to sterilize emotion out of their whole process, but that is no way to operate. And that's not going to win you fights. That's going to get your order decimated. So I, to me, that and I, when Josh asked me to pick a line, <laughs> my response, I think, was the dialogue is bad, but I'll see what I can find. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, that's honestly how I felt. Like, none of the dialogue outside of maybe Thrawn and Sabine had me in a spot of, like, oh, this is really cool. great conversational dialogue. Hu Yang had some really good lines, too. But, like, most of the characters in this had lines that were, how do we get to the next plot point? Well, you have to explain this, and then the next plot point will happen. And I get it. I fully get it. Like, you, you got to move the plot forward somehow, but... For me personally, it didn't work. And I, I really want to stress right here that I am not telling people that they shouldn't like the show. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy it, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it didn't work for me. That's all I'm saying. And that's something I think no. more shows and movies should do is that, you know, the the general consensus of this whole, like, oh, they had to make a movie that appeases to all audiences like they, they said this okay like, I, i've been i've heard i've heard this about suicide like they were the first suicide squad like oh we had to make a movie that that everyone would enjoy and not just hardcore dc fans like or 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 you could have made a movie for hardcore dc fans to like and and make yeah. a good movie and that eventually people would come around to it instead of making the piece of trash that's maybe diatribe for the last five years anytime anyone <laughs> brings it up and I have to address this, Phil, because I have had this conversation in real life, okay? Which is, <laughs> I honestly chalked up my dislike of Hayden Christensen's performance in the prequels to George Lucas not being good at writing dialogue, which I think is something George Lucas has said. Like, hey, I'm, I'm much better at putting a story together than I am writing dialogue, right? But after watching this... I think maybe I just don't like Hayden Christensen as an actor because I felt nothing when he was on screen. I he he has he gave me nothing as far as gravity goes. I don't felt I didn't feel like he was emotive and I you know I am not going to give Star Wars a pass on dialogue just because George Lucas is bad at it. Like that's okay for his movies. But I've seen Dave Filoni write good dialogue, and 
that was not here for the most part <laughs> in my opinion so i but i again i wanted to address that because i don't want you to think that i'm just making blanket statements <laughs> oh no and I, i'm just giving you shit <laughs> oh that's funny uh, totally we fair. had a huge discussion about that about how like hayden actually if if you compare hayden's uh portrayal of anakin in this to the prequel trilogies it's leaps and bounds better just because he had actual direction i'd to say me, he was, i feel like i'd say he was better in the obi-wan series than he was in either of the other two places oh. personally okay justin what'd you got to say over there all right all right jesse uh, i i gotta circle back to this because you've brought her up three <laughs> times now you you're you haven't watched rebels and so you you like sabine in her character arc and her growth but to me personally, I'm just gonna say it. She's a fucking c like Whoa, her. Me as great. a Rebels fan, I see her as a totally different side, and I'm like, I can't believe you did this. Like, this is the whole reason he he sacrificed himself to is to prevent the the war getting worse. And, and I hear you justify her in, in, uh, getting better throughout her struggles b between the apprenticeship and her her and Ahsoka. And I'm like, no, no, she's being a c just gonna say it that's two bleeps that i gotta make now in this episode <laughs> no i like i can see where you would be upset with her actions but like she's the most realistic character in the show man like everybody else is, is too stilted and magical and up their own ass about their their philosophy and she's like no i'm trying to get by so what i what I would ask you, Justin, is do you not realize that she's the character that would be the most like you in this situation? Damn, mm. Jesse. Damn. <laughs> Sit down. Of course Justin. I would I would I would I would pick in my favor and my self interest. But I, I don't want to watch that. I but that's my point, is like I, I want to see Make stories. Him, yeah that i can believe and her character i can believe the rest of these and and i get it you know it's a it's about space magic it's sci-fi all that stuff but like on a on an emotional level you want to be able to believe the characters and to me she is the one in this show that you can believe like you can you can see where she's coming from everything she does makes sense no they're not all the right choices but like how many times in your life have you had two choices to make and you went with whatever felt better, even if it wasn't yeah. the correct, air quote, correct thing, right? Like, I will not sit here and say that I always make all the correct choices in every situation because that would be a lie. So I appreciated having somebody on screen to relate to, especially as somebody who doesn't know these characters at all. I was like, that's the character that I care about because I can relate to her. I can't relate mm -hmm. to Ahsoka. I can't relate to this droid. Like, I <laughs> I, I really liked Ezra's beard, but that's not like, I mean, enough for me to uh, to relate. I to swear somebody. a lot, like, so I relate to Chopper pretty solidly. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I. And again, I don't mean to tell you how to watch the show. I'm I'm just trying to give you a perspective of somebody who didn't have an investment in it coming in. Now, now, Steve, do you? how do you feel because i feel like that Jess, jesse's point of view is very from the well obviously casual fan non-rebels viewer but you you're a little more like into it like how do you feel about that when it's sabine i'm sorry Shane, I, stopped, I stopped listening to jesse like a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> unless it's one of my shows <laughs> oh i meant i meant today 
I I do think it it follows with her character arc from from Rebels. It's I will say when when the show started, hearing that she had undergone any kind of Jedi training was a a shock to me. I didn't think that I didn't had no idea that's where they were taking the series. So I was like, oh, in, interesting. I thought she just had in the trailer like she had the lightsaber. I just figured she was a a skilled warrior and she was skilled with the dark saber, so she just knew how to use it as a weapon. I had no idea that they were going to make her. A Jedi apprentice. So this this whole uh, this whole arc with with her and Ahsoka having some kind of conflict over her her training and her and her force abilities has been entirely new ground to me. So I'm, I'm still kind of processing it. So I I need to watch the series again in order to in order to answer that question properly. I also gotta ask: Do you think it's a good parallel? Uh, with Anakin, right? Because he lets his emotions take over and he, you know, that's ruinous for him. <clears throat> and it's it's cool to see Anakin be, in my opinion, it's cool to see Anakin be Ahsoka's teacher and then see Ahsoka have to deal with kind of the same issues that Anakin had in her own apprentice. Like, you, you're going to have to figure out how to overcome this because the last time a Jedi in Ahsoka's life let themselves be ruled by emotion, she walked away. And now she has this chance to actually do the work with Sabine and teach her like, hey, I failed last time, this was an option for me, but you clearly need some guidance and I'm here to provide that for you. So, Justin, did your mind just explode? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. I'm a dick. I, yep, yep. Sit down, Justin. <laughs> See a whole new perspective. I appreciate it all that much more in a, like that span of a 15 second sentence. Thank you. All right, I'll shut the hell up. I try. I try to watch. To Phil's point, I try to watch with a critical eye, but I I really do try to give everything a chance. No, oh, I, I I know you do, and I and try I, to, I, I legitimately do appreciate that. Yeah, no one here, no one here is is actually has any animosity towards you for not being a Star Wars person. I think Josh I know, does, but, but I'm okay with that because I've known no, him a no, very long time. No, that's not just <laughs> because of that. God, no, it's been a part of a very secret yeah. thing that we don't talk it's about. A multifaceted, uh, very extensive. <laughs> Oh, we're, no, we're starting to get putting into stuff that I don't know. We, one of, one of the, whole, we could do a whole podcast on that. Good, one of the good. one of the biggest reasons I have Jesse come on this show and later on in series of Star Wars is because of this. Because he gives a much bigger perspective than a lot of people that I know. And he does he looks at things in such a, a different way than we do, especially as Star Wars homers, um, that like Justin just figured out right now, um, it's good to get that different perspective sometimes. So um, I did want to bring up, and, and Phil, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of speaking time here because you haven't been talking very much, so I, I feel bad. But what did you think of Sabine's force powers? She finally, you were right um, again. Here we are. Oh. 
Yeah, bask in that, I guess. But then <sighs> tell us about a, or, uh, Sabine picking up the lightsaber with the Force. Um, I, I thought that aspect of it was the natural progression of what we'd seen from her in the series to this point. Um, that we'd seen her kind of developing um, her study, her practice. We see her, you know, playing around with the with the teacup earlier in the series. And and again, the first actual like big bit of telekinesis that we saw in the original trilogy, one of the most um, immediate examples is Luke pulling his lightsaber to his hand in the ice cave on Hoth. Okay. So it's a nice nod to that. It's a good early step for an adult force user, you know, for somebody who's learning not as a child, not coming in and having grown up in the traditions. Um, It's, it's a predictable bit, but it, it fits the narrative well. Um, the I, I saw people talking about how they would have preferred the whole uh, boosted leap, the 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 literal leap of faith, uh, to have been the first major instance rather than the lightsaber pull, um, which I could have seen them push pulling off with like Ezra tossing you know force tossing the lightsaber to her hand. And then going from there, that would have been kind of a fun subversion of the expectation where you see her again, reaching out and, and suddenly the, the lightsaber is in her hand, but you realize it was Ezra the whole time could have worked too. Um, and people saying that, you know, maybe having the, the leap of faith be the um, bigger kind of thing. But I also like that that set up the, the leap of faith bit or later on. It's like, no, no, we know now we have the proof that she can do this thing. And yeah, she's going to go just from that. But I mean, Luke went from, you know, grabbing the lightsaber to, you know, suddenly learning how to try to lift his X-wing out of a fucking swamp. So, and it was, it was a really good kind of introduction. I think, I think doing the force, jump the force push mm-hmm. would have been so unbelievable without seeing the lightsaber getting yeah. pulled first that that's why they did the force pull um, yeah it, but, it, it needed to have the setup before the payoff right but it was great callbacks push that around. great callbacks to not only empire strikes back but again rebels because kanan and ezra that was like their shtick like they were always pushing each other off or over these giant canyons like multiple yeah, times through the, the, series. the, the push me pull you thing. Yeah. They just, like, whoop. Um, it's good to see Roy in the chat. Thanks for dropping in. He says worst episode of the season. <laughs> um, okay. All build up just to fall flat. Some good moments, but written like we got scab writers due to the strike felt like a hero's season two try at story. My assumption um, well, is that this was completely sure. written before the strike, but Roy, written I and filmed. Say, it was done in before. <laughs> I'll just so. say Roy, Go back and listen, because I made some points that you're going to agree with. Yeah, if, if you're just coming in now, definitely check out the podcast when it drops on Tuesday and uh, and listen to the first part, because cause you and Jesse agree on most things, Roy. 
So I guarantee that you would, would enjoy um, what Jesse had to say at the beginning here. Um, did anyone else have anything to touch on when it comes to uh, Sabine and using the Force? Steve? I, I, w I was genuinely surprised that they that Phil was, was right. Not nothing, nothing against <laughs> Phil, but I, I was surprised that they actually gave her that moment. Um, I, she I leveled up. I, I, yeah. And that, see, that goes against the, I, I didn't <laughs> think she was going to be a force user. Like she, I thought she had, she would have the force sensitivity. Like she was able to communicate with Ahsoka when Ahsoka was trying to find her. But I mean, the, the fact that earlier in the, in that same scene she's using her lightsaber to fight off the zombie troopers or they weren't maybe they weren't zombie troopers yet but she was fighting off and then ahsoka was like sabine blasters and she put her saber away and pulled mm. out her blasters because she's better with her blasters and so it's it just the fact that they are giving her the the force abilities this early i i thought it would be much more precedent if we jump back to them next season and they've been on this planet forever and actually doing the training properly that that would be a little bit better now granted it the the force has been we see in the in the, in the movies and in other canon where it can be unlocked by moments of of stress and dire need and then and then you once you breach that hurdle that 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 barrier it's like oh hey like i've kind of i figured this out a little bit more just because of what just happened to me and so yeah maybe maybe the stress of having the life almost choked out of her did allow for that that moment so and i'm looking at it in a video game perspective where she killed enough stormtroopers over and over that she gained <laughs> enough experience, experience to points. level up enough to then Fre therefore freddie prince jr is about to join this chat uh, she she did not take a long rest. She did not take the opportunity to level up. Uh, she did hit the save marker, though, before she got to the top of that, that ledge. Two things here. First thing, Steve, I'm pretty sure Freddie Prince Jr. said, there's no way in hell I'm ever going to be in Star Wars again. And the, he the did. second thing he did. is... I said, I said in this chat. Oh, said oh, in this oh. chat he's going to show up. That's, that's, <laughs> uh, that I could believe. Um, <laughs> his, his exact words were, you don't level up in like in a fucking video game. Yeah, that was <laughs> such a cool interview. But let me ask, do you feel this might have been better served by Ahsoka's flashback scenes having to do with her training Sabine as opposed to just watching a rehash of a show you had already seen with her and Anakin? Like... If she were reminded like oh here's how i failed sabine the first time let me redouble my efforts let me make the commitment and the choice to actually stick with her despite the fact that yes it is incredibly frustrating to work with her she's a mandalorian she's very hard-headed do you think that if you had gotten some view into the training that she's that she was supposed to have already had do you think that her moments of force use would have been easier to accept? I'm I'm genuinely surprised that in that episode when Anakin was flashing her all around that they didn't take us to one of those scenes. Yeah. Like, I, that, 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 that should have happened. I, I'll give it to you. I found myself um, going, I don't need this. Like, show, show me the characters that are in the show, not... Because that, that's that's not in Rebels at all. Yeah. They're, and, they're the, the, only, the only force training 
that Sabine ever has is lightsaber training. And that's and that was the dark saber. And Anakin's not a character in this Ahsoka show. Like, I don't want mm. to see characters that don't affect the outcome of this. Like, there were enough name drops. There were enough moments of Ahsoka going, here's how I feel about Anakin. Here's what happened with Anakin. Everybody knows who Anakin is. I didn't need him to be physically on the screen at all. I would have much preferred more time with the characters from this show. And that's why I, I disagree. That. I, I think I think in that in that episode that having if he had done what I just said, if he had said if he had taken her to a point where she was training Sabine and then it honestly could have been a little cool of like, oh hey, like you remind me of me when I was trying to be your master. Right. That would have been a great it would have been a great scene. I don't think we needed to see as cool as it was if we had skipped the whole like hey what, what was this like oh this is the siege of mandalore you weren't even here like why the hell did he bring her there he wasn't there yeah he mm. should have brought i mean of course he wasn't there for her training sabine either but he should have brought her to that to or you know we could just it's streaming let's make the episodes a little longer disney has the money we can have our episodes each what the fuck valid complaint <laughs> and something i agree with like yeah why Preach. why Preach. Why end on a cliffhanger when you are given a, you know, if they tell you you've eight episodes, you better make damn sure that by the end of the first act of episode eight, the main story is wrapped up. And then you can have, for my, in my opinion, you can have 30 minutes of denouement and, and, you know, loose ends and teases for next season. Like you can have all of that if you wrap up this arc in the first act, because as it is, like, I, I feel like this ended in act two or like act three of mm. a five act show and then went, don't worry, we'll have another season, which I'm like, I, dude, you, you, you're not going <laughs> to sell me on the next season if you didn't finish the first one. Like, <laughs> and I think they're, they're falling victim to the MCU trap where they're really trying hard to intertwine everything and and just like dc has kind of fallen into that trap where they're really trying hard to make this giant universe um and and make it make sense um because that's what they're doing essentially is is gonna wrap mandalorian ahsoka and whatever else they have into the filoni movie and this is a fair point steve that Filoni has a boss and and what I will say is I fully get it like my biggest complaint with Star Trek Picard season three is that the showrunner spent so much time going just give me another show you're gonna love what I put in that show if you just give me another show and he had so many setups for whatever he thinks his next show is gonna be that it cost Picard season three a lot of its heart and soul mm. now I don't know three that was I feel... better than two but here's the messed up part phil is at the end of the of the entire series of picard you look at it and you go oh my god the first season is actually the best one and that's best, saying yep. something like yep. that's rough so yeah. no it, but it, it's i it's true i like filoni's storytelling i trust him in the long run i think he's a very good writer I, i'm glad that star wars has him um but I, I do have, I did get a couple feelings of him going like, please let me make another season. And it feels like maybe he had to convince Disney to allow a second season. So, you know, from mm. a from a human perspective, like had I met the guy in real life, I'd probably be like, dude, I totally get it. I totally get why you would do that. 
I don't appreciate watching it, but I totally get why <laughs> you would do that. And I might even do the same thing if given the chance. So I'm actually not even sure Fair. if they're going to do like an Ahsoka season two. Hasn't been like confirmed yet. Yeah, they're going to continue well, so, these character stories in, in just another series. So here's the yeah. thing. The, the official Star Wars Twitter account said something like, go watch the season finale of Ahsoka, which I took to mean they're going, you know what? Okay, we'll give you your second season. You know, you can't start it right now because SAG after is still on strike because the AMPTP is a greedy bunch of babies. But if you'd like to start, you know, pre-production and planning, go for it. Makes sense. Um, and all very valid points. See, this is, again, this is why we bring you on. And like I said on Twitter <laughs> earlier, we just save the best for last. Phil, I did accidentally skip over your... Uh, Starlight Killer scene, but we're going to kind of put those into one little area um, and talk about Thrawn's escape here. So um, the first part of that, your Starlight Killer scene comes in at 17 minutes and four seconds, and it's Thrawn preparing for the escape while Ahsoka and Sabine are preparing for the ground assault. Why did you pick this scene, Phil? Wide shot. Uh, exactly. No, it's a gorgeous wide shot. We see so much of just the... Uh, see the landscape of Peridia. It's all the fog and clouds. It's very highlands. Um, we've got a very nicely split foreground on the left, background on the right. It's just beautiful composition. It's a really well-structured shot. Uh, and it just kind of showcases what exactly they're up against we have three people riding two howlers versus a star destroyer and it's it's a phenomenal setup for the uh entire battle that is going to follow for the rest of the episode wait a minute is that is that tree copy pasted <laughs> <laughs> look at uh, look at the tree no so there's are a whole bunch of holy um, shit hang on let me bring these little up. sculptures that are scattered all over the surface of Peridia. You see them uh, as uh, Ahsoka and Sabine are coming into land earlier in the season. But yeah, no, they are like uh, from a uh, you know creative standpoint. Yeah, no, those are absolutely just copied and pasted <laughs> across the thing. Yeah. Now, but I will uh, I will say, Phil, I, this I'm gonna assume that there's at is... least two, there's at least two more in the background. Oh, there's one. By the more way, right there's there. one there, oh, okay, and yeah, yeah. pan over a little more to the right. Back to the right. Oh, one there's right one there. way back there. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. They're 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 literally all over the surface of this part. Uh, of that that works okay. for me as an explanation. But I will say, yeah, I give that shot credit <laughs> because I guarantee you that's a shot using the uh, volume, mm -hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't look like one. Like it it looks like an on location shot. It's it's really really well done. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that shot. I, a lot of their wide shots in this whole series have been phenomenal. The, the, the one with the, the star destroyer coming up, just awesome. The the combination of use of like on set uh, or uh, on site kind of bits with mm. the volume, I think is really the best thing that Star Wars could keep doing uh, yeah. for for that kind of composition. That's they're yeah they're doing it much better beautiful now. Beautiful combination than, than they, they did in early in... seasons of Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, learned. definitely. They've learned. They how have. To use it. Yeah, they have. They have. Yep. 
And so we've discussed a lot about you know this this whole scene. So I'm just gonna skip all the way past the whole battle and and everything else that goes through it and go to Phil's one chimer, which is actually right when so Ahsoka and Sabine are chasing after Thrawn's ship, um, and and Ezra is actually on the ship right now. So this is this is them basically chasing them to to catch up or whatever. So uh, here we go with Phil's one chimer. Still, I know you because I knew your master. I concluded your strategies would be similar. One wonders just how similar you might become. I could say so much about this, but Phil, go, go for it. Why, why this one chimer? <laughs> because... Thrawn has encountered both Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. And the question is how much of the connection between the two uh, personas uh, is he aware of? How much and does he know at this point? Does he know that Anakin became Vader? Or does he just know who Anakin was and how he would behave? you know, uh, and know kind of the, the pointlessness of dealing with either one of them at this point. I think that's Thrawn's secret weapon, though, is knowing that Anakin turned into Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think oh, he'll yeah. use that with not only Ahsoka, but Luke in the long run as well. Um, I, I, th- I really am fully expecting to see Luke show up in this Thrawn Thrawn uh, and Thrawnology. Uh. Damn it. I'm going to workshop that. But I fully expect Luke to show up at some point and Thrawn to use Darth Vader against him as well as Ahsoka. Um, but can we I, get I, Sebastian Stan to play him instead of the damn deep fake? Like, it's got <laughs> better, but can we, just, can we just get a person to do it? For fuck's sake? I'm sure that's... Or can we uh, stop telling the Luke things. story altogether, maybe? I... Just throw yeah, that. See, here's it's the thing. Time, it's time. I don't. It's time for the Luke story. Thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> it's time for Luke to take a back seat. Like I'm okay with him showing up and being part of something, but I I know his entire story. Him, I know his, his entire family's fucking story. I don't need to know anything more about him. I just need him to show up and be a badass. That's Correct. it. So like, don't don't cool. give me any more lore. But Thrawn can use Darth Vader against Luke as they're fighting. You know, when Luke is fighting the clone of Luke or whatever, Thrawn can be like, yo, daddy was a bitch. Darth Vader didn't know shit. Like, <laughs> you know, I, that's that's just kind of all I that's all I want. Um, he would probably use the same tactic he's using on Ahsoka, which is like, hey, you have the capacity for super evil in you. Remember? Like, and that's right. all, that, that almost is what made her, like, not accelerate the ship fast enough to, to catch them, I feel like. I just, I took that as they just couldn't catch up. Like, it's supposed to illustrate that Thrawn is smart enough to not let himself lose, and and the heroes lose at the end of this, which I'm generally fine with. It was just weird to me that the heroes would choose to lose as long as they got (laughs) to trade Ezra's freedom. Basically, like I, that doesn't work for me, but I get it. But here's the biggest thing of letting Ezra go and being okay with it. Now that Ezra has shown his face to the New Republic, they can finally start believing that Thrawn is real and Thrawn is returned. Otherwise, you're going to have 
other Zionos that are like, I don't believe you. We're just going to strip you of your rank and you're spewing fairy tales. I think that letting Ezra go gives the New Republic a, a better chance at actually preparing for Thrawn. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the New Republic is going to fail. Yeah, and, uh, and, well, but like, yeah, duh. but like, why <laughs> listen to why listen to Ezra over Ahsoka? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I'm genuinely asking you. <laughs> no, Phoenix Squadron is going to be the new rebellion against the New Republic instead of against the Empire. I think but it's they're, because they're, 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 the New Republic is trying so hard to not believe that another war is coming that they that they're trying to will it out of existence and mm-hmm. not giving Ahsoka and Hera and those people a chance to. To defend it, you know. Just, then why would they just believe Ezra if he's like, no, I was on his ship, I saw him, I was in the same place as him? They'd be like, eh, whatever. Because I, there's I, there's I'm, reports I'm only and documents. <laughs> there's reports and documents of the Thrawn battle and Ezra taking away on Pergo or the space yeah. whales. I, right, but be, but Hera, but Hera so. told the council that to their face <laughs> like I, <laughs> i'm not saying that it's impossible i'm just asking like what has changed because it feels I, to me like at the end of season one of this show we're in very similar place that we were at the start except we're actually down two jedi now instead of one <laughs> and it makes sense i just yep i just i just think Can't that it's now a little bit it's it's a little more the new republic's a probably going to be a little more apt to believe with this solid proof of Ezra returning and that's they, there was some mention of him being like a great hero uh by yeah. one of the general guys so I could I could maybe see that well, I just you know I have to ask the question because that's my function oh <laughs> it makes sense um the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing folks he didn't exist Thrawn is not going to show himself for right. a long time he's going to try and hide and so right. he's, the, he's going to be pretending that he doesn't exist and have his right. agents be like, no, like slow discord that I'm not actually back. Oh, yeah. I'm still dead. Oh, yeah. 100%. And it's going to be really back. fun. It's going to be really fun to see how that all plays out for sure. So we had one more segment to go through. Not segment, but segment piece. And that's Jesse's, of course, saving the best for last. I picked this scene right away. Um, and then Jesse <laughs> ruined it and picked it. It comes in at the 37 minute and 38 second mark. It's by far one of the best shots of the entire series. Jesse, why did you pick this shot? <clears throat> this is an anime shot. When, when you get the, <laughs> the circle lining up with a circle, I mean... The, it, it's it's a composition. I'm a sucker for good visual composition in any storytelling. Um, this feels almost like a shot out of Cowboy Bebop for me. There's Ooh. there's some Ooh. some space. There's some ruddy planet which I can picture as a desert, which makes it a western. Um, and I loved this whole piece of tech. This uh, this hyperspace ring with like. Mm. 15 engines <laughs> strapped to it like yeah. <laughs> that is such a basic yet well done idea like what if we put more engines on it would that work and i mean they're clearly setting up you know these galaxies to be a traversable thing right like you don't have to ride a, a space whale uh, we call them gormaganders um but <laughs> you can or you could like construct a hot rod and just strap more horsepower to it and to you know to go the extra level 
yes, the story comes full circle here, and you have two circles layered on top of each other. It's it's a great <laughs> visual metaphor. I like I said, I actually really like the visuals for kind of the whole series, um, and I think there are some things that, if constructed correctly they can stand almost exclusively on their visuals. I just don't think that this show was designed to do that personally. Um, I'd agree. But I, I love, love that shot, uh, especially the, the part where it's actually matched the circumference on its way in. I just, it's a good shot and I'm, I'm a sucker for a, you know, a really basic set of circles overlapping. <laughs> it is one of the best shots of the entire series, I think. Just seeing the uh, the the hyperspace ring in front of Dathomir and knowing what's what's about to take place with the Night Sisters and stuff is really cool. Um, I had one last topic of discussion, and then we'll get out of here. We're actually doing really well. I you know this this uh, afternoon I was really scared that this episode was going to go for like four hours, and I didn't want to. I did not want to deal with that. So this, I, I almost dipped out of the whole thing because Jesse was this, coming. Was like, oh. <laughs> it's going to take too damn long. Yeah, and I I told Steve I was like it's okay. I have a plan, and and, and I feel like it's worked okay so far. So the last topic that I had, which we have not really discussed at all this this whole episode is Balin and Shin. Um, let's start with Shin because she's, you know, you don't see very much of her, but it seems like she gave up as well. She didn't even try to get back. It was like she exiled herself kind of where she, you know, she's like, I failed. I didn't kill Ezra. I didn't kill Sabine. The Empire is not going to want me back. I'm just going to become a nomad. Balin left me. Mm. I'm going to go join these, these people. Were you guys under that same impression? Jesse, you seem to disagree. So I was under the impression that Balin had his whole own set of goals the entire series. And he was like, I just need to get to the place and bring my apprentice with me. And then we will actually show back up as the force to be reckoned with. Like, yeah, Thrawn's great. Let's let's totally help this person get to Thrawn. But like, I just need to go where the where the power is and I need to claim it for myself. Because they they put him on this statue where I'm like okay, where did the statue come from? Who is the statue of? I, I, I asked that rhetorically. I don't actually care. Don't and, worry. We're going to talk about it when you're done. But but point being, <laughs> there was enough there for me to insinuate that his motivation, and in his performance, his motivation is, I don't care about the the squabble between the New Republic and the Empire and that kind of thing. I will gladly use either side of that conflict to put myself in proximity to my actual goal, which unfortunately is in another galaxy, but once I get there, I'm happy to stay there and you know do what I need to do. And I think it's actually a really good parallel to Ahsoka and Sabine, right? Because she's like, this is exactly where we're supposed to be. We need time, like, don't worry. And here's the other side of the force, the balance, right? That you guys are all whatever about. He's going, <laughs> we need something on our side you know, to to make this balance true. Like, maybe he could take Ahsoka in a fight while she's distracted and there's a bunch of stuff going on, right? But he can't, Balin can't defeat an entire Republic by himself. He also probably couldn't defeat all of Thrawn's forces by himself. But there's something on this planet that he wants and he has made it his business to get there. 
and he brought his lieutenant, you know, his apprentice with him. And I think he probably told her like, okay, go recruit the whomever that is, the bandits, and then bring them to where I am. And that'll be the start of our, our, I don't want to say empire because that's a loaded word here, but like that'll be the start of our cabal, right? Mm. That's kind of what I got from it. Um, I will throw out that I was a little disappointed that his apprentice got to fight so many people with lightsabers but never kill anyone. Like somebody needs to win if you're going to be in that many lightsaber fights. Um, <laughs> but I, I really liked both of those characters. There, yeah, there needs sure. to be at least a hand chopping. We got through an entire Star Wars series without someone getting a hand chopped off. What? Oh, we got a decapitation, though. Eh, a it's not a trooper. Now, who cares? here's yeah, how you can okay. tell, right, though, that this wasn't directed by George Lucas. No one got a hand chopped off. That's, that's always in the, that's in the second part. Yeah. Well, and okay, like I'm okay with you know cliffhanging their motivations because they're not the main characters um but but where they chose to put the shots of those characters in this episode made me go why like why (laughs) like you're you're just reminding me that you have not for the very very end you're reminding me that you haven't tied up another loose end like if you, I mean, if sure. you put those shots in the middle of this episode, I think it actually works better because then you're like, oh right, they're there, and now I can focus on the characters that the show is about. <laughs> to be fair, they probably weren't able to do any uh, any reshoots, yeah. uh, any kind of pickups with uh, Ray Stevenson. Yeah. So and that uh, sucks because yeah. he kicked yeah, ass. God. Like he was the he, best he's, part of the show. Probably he was absolutely phenomenal. Talk about a. A Besides Thrawn. Phenomenal. Okay, I got evil quite best from him. Best new character. Yeah. Best best new character. Best character introduced in this series. Yeah. And he's like a technomancer Jedi. Like his force <sighs> yeah. powers are very specifically like machinery and tech based. Like that was really cool. I liked I seeing I legitimately that. really hope that he gets um at the very least, a continuation of his story in a novel somewhere. That'd be cool. Whether whether Balin Skull is recast, uh, I have seen a lot of people talking about uh, and arguing solidly for Leave Schreiber uh, as a replacement because two year age gap and same height. Uh, so you know, and he would do a really good. solid he'd, he'd, job. He'd do it well. Similar yeah. facial but, hair capabilities yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. But without without recasting. Um, I really, really hope they do continue Balin Skull's story somewhere down the line because he's a fascinating character. Right. Like, what do you do? Do you write that character out? Like, they've set him up to need to be there. Like, I, I am excited for that character, and I hope that they find a way to do the character justice in the next season of this show. Because to me, his character is the tacit admission that there is going to be another season, right? Like, or they plan to to start a movie trilogy or whatever. I don't, it's so hard to tell with Star Wars, but like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh my God. they promised you that his story will continue. And I, I hope that we get to see that on screen because if it's in a book or a comic book, I'm not going to get to see it. And that would suck. Yeah. So let's, uh, we're going to start wrapping this up. We've been talking for a long time about this and it's been a wonderful episode. We've gone through all of our segments, which is great. Um, I do want to just kind of 
continue this this Balin thing about um, he is standing on the Mortis statue, which for us Rebels and Clone Wars fans, that is a huge deal. Um, the Mortis family was a big part of... Yes, I am wrecked, Ricky. But the Mortis family was a big part of um, Anakin and Ahsoka's story and and how they became a lot closer. So it's it's really cool to see the Mortis gods in a different galaxy and to see how they were part of not just what we have witnessed, but things from a very distant past. Um, I, I do want to... Th- I, I want to throw out one little theory about the statues um, and just the Mortis gods in general. Um, they they come from a Legends series that discussed the the father, the son, the daughter, and also the mother, which is Abeloth. And Abeloth was a mortal character that then became immortal by doing some very questionable things and she became very evil and so the mortis gods had to hide her away to keep her basically trapped it's like um and the uh, the uh the the mortis gods themselves were basically incarnations of different aspects of the force Yes. And so right now, um, in that trilogy in Clone Wars, the sister actually gave her life essence to Ahsoka because Ahsoka died in Clone Wars. And then she gave her essence to Ahsoka, um, which kind of explains why the sister statue was not there anymore when Balin was standing on on the hand Um, because you had the father, the brother, and then on the side of it would have been the sister, but since the sister is alive and well in Ahsoka, she doesn't really exist anymore in the Force. So my big prediction is that Thrawn is actually not the big bad, that Thrawn um, is going to be kind of a stepping stone into a bigger world of Star Wars, and we might not even see the big bad of Thrawn until the Rey movie or even beyond that, which I believe is going to be Abeloth. They're going to raise, and especially Kathleen Kennedy loves um, um, throwing very strong females into roles for Star Wars, and Abeloth is a very strong female villain so does that Dave would Filoni. wreck shit. Yes, and, and exactly. And so I... I think that, that this is all going to lead... That Balin is looking for a power beyond anything we've ever seen. Um, and, and that power is going to be Abeloth. And that she is going to kind of wreak havoc on a lot of different things. So um, I, I think it'd be really cool to get more of the Mortis God's story into Star Wars. Because it was a very intriguing story arc in Clone Wars. Um, and it would be ex- especially cool to see it in live action. Um we also saw Morai, the owl, from um, from the Mortis trilogy. It was basically the, the sister turned into this owl, which was Morai, and that was the owl that you see at the end of Ahsoka. A really awesome throwback to that, and also another clue that this series is going to lead more into the, the Mortis gods and that story than, than we initially thought. Um, I have one more point, and then I'm going to let everyone kind of go through the last things that they want to say, and then we'll wrap things up. So I did some math. I did a a still shot on the inside of the Star Destroyer with all the different coffins. I think they're coffins. I think they hold dead bodies. I think that that's going to be the big thing that Thrawn uses to his advantage is undead stormtroopers. If my math is correct... 
I am over 6,000 coffins in that one shot alone. And to be exact, it was, I, th I think, 6,438, if, if I'm not mistaken, or 45. Did so, you show your math? Uh, no, I didn't. Math I just have it written down on my notes. Um, but it was basically 1, 2, 3, 3, 6, 9, 12, 12, 24, 36. It was uh, 48 coffins in a stack and then all the different stacks <laughs> to, to equal over 6,000. So... Um, I think that that's going to be huge in the coming events of this Heir to the Empire um, sequel that we get for Star Wars. And we're going to see a lot of undead stormtroopers and a lot more Night Sister action um, when it comes to the Filoniverse. So let's go around the room here and just give kind of our final thoughts or any last things that you wanted to say about this series um and then wrap it up so let's start with steve what were the final thoughts or anything that you had to say okay i got, I got three three little things to, to go with one do it in in rebels with the the father the brother and the and the sister pointing was always a big yes point and so the fact that that balin is standing on the hand that is actually giving a direction is definitely significant granted it's pointed at mordor or another fucking sky beam so. yeah what the God. hell was that God damn it. <laughs> it's definitely more don't need another fucking sky beam um you know i'm i'm and we're walking yeah i'm i'm pleased enough as to where this ended pleased enough um just knowing whether it's not Ahsoka season two or just the series of Star Wars will continue and we'll find out what, what's going on with this particular area. Uh, but this leads me into my, why it's a 9.5 instead of a 10. One, I don't think we needed to have Ezra reunited with Hera so quickly. And the fact that they brought him in and everyone had their guns on him was like, dude, like, how did he get that close without you knowing who he was? Maybe you could, I, I mean, should have, she could have thought it was like a fake, but I question that. He would have used, he would have used fulcrum, like, and that would have mm. given her some ease. And then, of course, as happy as I was, unlike Jesse, to see Anakin again, I, when, when they were, when they both had that feeling, I was like, Kanan, it's Kanan. And then, yes, I know, of course, that. Freddie Prince Jr. will probably not return to the franchise, but Freddie Prince Jr., I know you're listening. <laughs> Come back to Star Wars. See you we're in the not, chat. We're not, we're not all like that. I, I love you, man. I worked with you. I worked and I worked with you and Katie Sackhoff at the same time. Let's get the band back together and do another <laughs> Scooby Doo while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, why not? But I'm gonna make I, a TikTok out of that and, and tag him in it and send it to him. <laughs> Kanan is my favorite Jedi. And, you're, you're gonna prevent Steve from ever seeing him in real life again if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I would love to see Freddie Prince Jr. again. It would be incredible. Um, I, I, re, I respect his rant. I love that rant. Yeah, and he's he is 100 correct. Like some some fans of our of this franchise are suck. In, intolerable. No one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans, my friend. Yep. And they're just like the Scots and the Irish, or the <laughs> Scots and the British, or the Scots and the Scots. <laughs> but you know, Phil, nowadays you get a Scot and an Englishman together on the street. I'd say there's a fifty-fifty percent chance they get along. <laughs> 
Anybody watched Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? No, no. Oh no! Not but that was, my that was fault. Monkey bastard hands. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. Steve, anything else you wanted to add? I am really happy we got Rebel season five. Agreed. And, and that and that's where that's the hill that I'm here to die on. So. All right. Phil, did you have any last thoughts or anything about the season or episode? Who do we think's in the coffins or what? Uh, I personally uh, think Night Sisters and that we're basically just like bringing a whole bunch of Night Sisters back home to Dathomir and that that's going to be kind of the beginning of Thrawn's overwhelming wave uh, to reach out and reconquer the galaxy. Um, that said, I do not think that he would do anything that he doesn't have uh, any kind of control over. Thrawn is not the kind of guy to put himself into a situation where he will not be in command uh, if there is anything that he can do about it. Uh, and Steve, yes, absolutely, also that. One thing I brought up in uh, the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast that I was on this last weekend was the Bendu actually made, um, he said that he saw Thrawn's defeat in a cold embrace. Um, I think that in Rebels, we assumed that it was the Star Whales, that it was the Purgle. But I'm starting to think that maybe it's a bunch of cold, dead Night Sisters wrapping their arms around him and taking him away so um I, I think the bendu might have have a had a different sense than than the viewers of rebels did justin did you have any final thoughts about the series or the episode uh first off you just blew my mind again with the <laughs> uh bendu because that is wild connection that's very plausible um um <laughs> First off, I, I agree with Jesse uh, for once that uh, Anakin is overplayed. They they just need to let a dying star fade out. But I love seeing Hayden Christensen get love from the fans that he f is finally getting. So at the same time, I can't really hate on it. Um, at the end of the day, I really think uh, the boiling point of the show is uh, if you watched Rebels or and if you didn't. If you did, I feel like you you're more of a fan of it, and if you didn't, you're you're yeah, so so. Um, uh, my future predictions for the show are with the now clear split and division from Thrawn and Ahsoka being in different galaxies. I, I there's. I hope one of the two ways they can go with the show where they just focus on Sabine and Ahsoka being in Peridia or however you say it and uh, let uh, the Hera and Ezra and Thrawn just simmer down for the movie. Who knows? But um, the coffins, the coffins I, I was just thinking about and, and, and I'm thinking I'm thinking that they're the Sith followers that oh. are in the sequels. Oh, in the Rise they're, of Skywalker. They're, they've been trying hard. Filoni's trying hard to tie these into the sequels and to make it, make it make sense. Yeah, and try to make it a linear sort of story as as possible as a jagged line. But like 
He's trying. I'd agree. And I think that's kind of one of his biggest tasks right now is to make the sequels make sense. And that's okay. If he does it and he does it well, then I'm, I'm cool with it. I still don't like the sequels as much as anything else. No, it else. does. But if we retcon them out of existence, then, then we're just cheap little little bastards. Ah, so, yeah, we're yeah, they can't retcon. Make them work. We're not going to do that. So. Live, Learn from our mistakes. Failure, the greatest teacher is. Oh, jeez. Well, Jesse, go ahead and uh, give us your final thoughts, and then we'll get on out of here. So, again, I hope that you haven't reached the end of this podcast and taken away that I hate Star Wars, because I don't. I hope people reach the end of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I hope you have the time. Um, but I That's a question in and of itself. I hope that what you take from this is that I expect stories to be self-contained enough to enjoy them on their own. And that's that's where this series falls down for me because there's clearly so many threads that are designed for somebody who has seen all of it to go, oh, I recognize that. Oh, I'm excited to see this pr prior story continued, that sort of a thing. But just from what we have here, um, I would really like to see Balin's next step. Um, I, I would really like to see Sabine's next step. I think it would be cool if Balin was like, oh, hey, guess what, Apprentice? We're going to this uh, Force God tomb to to resurrect whatever or to get whatever. And he opens it up and finds that it's empty, and that's what Thrawn took with him. And then he has a personal vendetta against Thrawn. Our two Jedi character have this vendetta, and they can work together to get back. Um, sets up a good, you know, hundred possible moments of betrayal for any combination of characters. I just, I hope that season two of this show remembers to wrap its narrative up before they tease season three. And I, I will say current Star Wars is all gorgeous. Like it, it is so much fun to watch because it is beautiful. It really is. My favorite current new Star Wars is still Visions by pr kind of a mm. lot, um, yeah. because they do things there that haven't been done in Star Wars before. Watching Ahsoka cut a Tie Fighter out of the sky with a damn lightsaber was awesome. Like I, <laughs> I really liked that sequence. I'm glad we got to see that in live action because. Guess what? I really liked the incredibly wacky giant lightsaber on top of Star Destroyer's fight that Visions gave us. Does it make, like, good physical sense? Probably not. Was it <laughs> cool as hell to watch? Yeah, it was. And I forgave everything about that entire setup because I was like, that that was fun to watch. Like, <laughs> And that's the other place that this falls down for me is... The whole thing wasn't fun to watch. The The narrative was always compelling because I had attached myself to the Sabine character. Um, but outside of her, I, I, I couldn't find something to latch on to. And I don't know if that's because it wasn't there or because I am not a Star Wars purist. I like to tell people I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars friend. And what I mean by that is... If you need to tell somebody else that you know that I'm the the person in your life who understands Star Wars, that's fine. Because that person's not going to ask enough questions that I won't be able to answer, right? Like, I, I get Star Wars. I, I can tell you the basics of all of it. But 
I just, I don't know. I like this series, but I don't know that I will rewatch it. If that makes sense, like no, that's that's totally fair. And I I, th- I feel like Star Wars series fall into that category a lot. Uh, Mandalorian is one that I can watch over and over again. Yeah, but I don't think I'll watch Andor more than twice. Mm. Um, Ahsoka Andor I, I could watch a hundred times, honestly. I well, and that's that's just. Just me. Ahsoka's the same way. Like I will watch Ahsoka again, but I don't know if I'll continue to watch it over and over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Boba Fett. I don't think I'll watch that again unless I'm watching the last three episodes where it's just Mandalorian. Like, and this is actually another great spot for me to draw a parallel to Star Trek currently, which is right now there are a lot of flavors of Star Trek. There is a Star Trek for everybody. Do you want animated comedy Star Trek? That's there. Do you want super serious, up-its-own-ass Star Trek? Go watch Picard. Do you want like <laughs> a great entry point with characters you recognize but you don't have all the details on? Check out Strange New Worlds. And while you do that, listen to Open Pike Night. <laughs> Boom. Absolutely. And that's a great way to to take us out of here. Um, Of course, all the links for everyone in this show, Jesse, Justin, Phil, and Steve, they will all be in our show notes. So make sure to follow those links. Um, Go to their Twitters. Go to their Instagrams. Give them a follow. Give them a like. Give them a listen on their podcast or buy some of their merch if they got it. Um, it's, It's the best way to support all of us small time starving artists um and especially check out steve's work he does a fantastic job um let's get on out of here we've been having uh, doing this show for for a while um and it's been so much fun i can't tell you jesse and steve how thankful i am to have you on this season finale it was a wonderful time um and thank you again for participating thank you for Um, the space i take up a lot of it yeah yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, you know, that's why you're here. <laughs> For Quest Me, I have been your host. Hashtag Freddy Prince was right. I'm Jesse at Open Pike. Justin! I'm Phil. And of course, my name is Josh. We will talk to you very soon. May the Force be with you. Mm-hmm.